is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Right into your phone calls, and we'll talk first to Darren in Georgia. Darren, what's on your mind tonight? You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Ian. Hey. Um, last night, you guys had talked about a story I did about the Pledge of Allegiance, which I appreciate that a lot. And, oh, um, Taryn. It's Taryn. Okay, I'm sorry. They, Taryn, they're Paul's Taryn Lupo with LCL Report. LCL Report. Yes, sir. We did talk about that, and it was a good story. People can that. see it over at your YouTube channel, which is, uh, what's the easiest way to get there? It's www.lclreport.com. Perfect. Like Low Country Liberty Report, LCL. All right. All yeah. And your report well, was, a, um, was a question uh, to your viewers about what you should do in regards to the Pledge of Allegiance, having come across the information that the pledge was actually written by a socialist, uh, a Christian socialist or national socialist named Francis Bellamy back in the 1800s, and that makes you pretty uncomfortable about the entire thing. It turns out the pledge is really just a, a big indoctrination uh, thing for the state, and so you were, you were not sure what to do. Yeah, it made me really uncomfortable once I learned that, and what happened was I would go out to all these civic meetings where, you know, I, I did a lot of business in town at one point, and I was going to these things two or three times a week, and they all started with the pledge. It didn't matter what business meeting you went to. And, you know, you kind of went with it at first because you didn't want to self-destruct your business, but after a while it really bothered me, and I, I stopped doing it. But you get a lot of really bad looks. I bet. And, <laughs> and uh, it really hurts. You know, this is something I was wanting to address with your your listeners is how do you embrace the ideas of liberty without completely self-destructing your job, your life, your old friends? I mean, it seems like the more you embrace it, the the more all that stuff goes away. Mm. And I'm not sure how you – well, you guys kind of found your own niche, but I'm not sure how to do it. Well, yeah, I guess I, I'm fortunate that I live here in New Hampshire where other people who have also embraced the ideas of liberty are moving to, uh, as part of the Free State Project, thousands of like-minded, liberty-oriented people are moving here. I know that you are, as I understand it. I think you're a Free State Project participant, right? I sure am. I'm on my way. Uh, I just have some family stuff holding me up. Right, so it makes it easier when you've actually got a uh, network of folks uh, that are around you that are of like mind and that you can spend time with and enjoy yourself with in social activities. It certainly makes that easier. But as far as dealing with uh, with regular folk that, you know, trying to uh, get them to understand these things, uh, I, I guess I'm fortunate in that I haven't really had to do so much of that over the past few years since I've been uh, been up here in New Hampshire. I think that, you know, if you've got somebody who's a friend, then they should at least be willing to listen to what you have to say. If it's somebody who you're in business with, then it's going to be a little bit tougher. Yeah, I mean, you, you try not to bring it up, but also, you know, you don't want to be disgusted with yourself and, and, and you know, like I said, stand for it. So yeah, you don't I, want to be not true to your beliefs and not true to yourself. I understand that. I, I basically had to move into making a lot of jewelry. I went back to my, my first love was making jewelry and sold that online. And that's been a lot better because I don't have to go out and network socially. I can be a lot more who I am. But I had to do an online business, basically, to to mm. achieve that. It was very hard to do business locally at a place that's not liberty-friendly. And I, I don't know of any other places besides where you guys are, probably. 
Yeah, you know, um, I, I, it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to uh, to deal with. And I, I told a story last night that, uh, you know, what it was like for me, um, you know, just just educating people on what what the pledge was about. But um, so did you ever have any conversations with anybody about the pledge or, you know, you not, you know, not standing? Um, we, did you, had, uh, we had a Toastmasters meeting once and I did a whole speech on why I thought democracy stinks. Mm-hmm. And like one person enjoyed it and like 10 of them just kind of gave me really bad ratings. So uh, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it's kind of uh, you guys are maybe in a good way. You guys are removed from it so much, but you forget what it's like to be such a minority. You know, um, oh, yeah. well, I'm still, still a minority, a minority that I, I'm still a minority. The difference here is I've, I'm wearing it on my sleeve, whereas before I probably would have been more like you and just keeping it down because, well, I've got a job where I can do that. So it's not as it's not as much of a problem for me. I mean, obviously, I can't move into Keene, New Hampshire and do my liberty oriented radio show, but at the same time attempt to put up some sort of public face that is somehow um, more tactful or, or different. I, I mean, I just can't. I can't mediate what it is I'm saying because that's what I believe. But I think that if you're in a, in a different marketplace, if you're doing your job and your job requires you interacting with people, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with putting that as not a priority. I mean, if you're out, Mark used to do sales for a magazine down in Sarasota. Obviously, if you're on a sales call, you're not going to start talking about your political beliefs. I mean, there's just no reason for that in many cases. But I guess in the case of what you're bringing up, Taryn, is at a business meeting where somebody's doing the pledge, then you really put it in between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, it just it, there's sometimes once in a while where you're just stuck. You, you got to stick to your guns, and that that was that seems to be real popular in local networking. And I used to network like crazy and be out of these things, and you see it all over the place in the South. So I'm not sure if it's that way up where you guys are or not. But I don't know. That's a, that's a tough – I'm not sure what to do about that. So I pretty much developed an online business to get away from local – I know that sounds terrible, but supporting the local uh, environment. But, you know, I was kind of burying myself in a hole. Well, you're you're, you're still uh, supporting the local environment. You're bringing money in from outside of the community, and you're spending it in the community. So you're doing sure. you're doing your little part for localism. But um, you know, I the, the this is something that the the marketplace has is dictating to these uh, these groups that that want to you know get people together and have them say the pledge uh, for whatever reason. They need to realize that some people are going to be driven away from that. Um, you know, essentially for me. Uh, being a Quaker, it's against my religious beliefs to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, Quaker is looking better and better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say that I, I would love to hear from some other listeners tonight. Yeah, to maybe I'd like to hear if someone saw this or, or how they do business and keep it uh, and are openly liberty oriented. I'd, I'd love to find out if someone's successful at it. The toll free number here is eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Taryn, was there anything else you wanted to share tonight? Appreciate you letting me sound off. Thank you, Taryn. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. Taryn Lupo from the Lowcountry Liberty Report at lclreport.com asking the question of how do you deal with being a principled, liberty-minded person and being in the business world at the same time, perhaps attending business functions or networking functions where they're doing very, very statist-oriented things like saying the Pledge of Allegiance. I know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, right? I mean, getting up, putting your hand over your heart and, and saying the Pledge, everybody's done it probably hundreds if not thousands of times while they were in elementary school or, or middle school or high school or something like that. But once you understand what the Pledge really is, and the Pledge really is just a... a 
it's socialist brainwashing. It's statist brainwashing for the youth of America and for apparently American adults who still make a regular habit out of saying it. So how do you deal with that? Well, I guess it really just all depends on what's most important to you. If you're at some sort of business meeting where your goal is to hobnob with the uh, the bigwigs and you're you're concerned that the bigwigs are going to not go with your company's services for a contract that you're trying to sell them, if you don't play their game and pretend like you're uh, part of their their little club, then if that's what's most important to you, then you're just going to have to stand up, put your hand over your heart, yeah. and say oh, the damn what, pledge. That's probably what I would do in that circumstance. Is I would probably, if if I felt like I needed to get these people on my side for whatever reason, whether it's because I wanted to get some kind of political thing done or whether because I'm working on a sale or whatever it is um, that might be going on. But, um, you know, I, I would have a very difficult time uh, just, you know, certainly sitting through it. I might stand and say nothing. That's a possibility, too. Well, I've done that plenty. It, it, that still could bring some attention to you, some unwanted attention. It really just all depends on what's most important. If your business is doing well and you're just at some sort of meeting where it's just networking and it's really not a, a life or death situation, whether you make a sale or not or whether you meet somebody or not, whether you're just there at some sort of networking function is not as important to your goals, then try staying seated and see if that sparks some conversations and see where that goes. You never know. I mean, it's not like everybody out there finds the pledge of allegiance to be the uh, you know the most important thing going on for them some of them might have religious qualms like myself mm-hmm. um, uh, some might have uh, political qualms about it uh, you know that's a good point who could how, very well get some business out of it too that's a good point how many people in a in a room full of 100 people that are standing up and doing the pledge actually want to be how many of them are also like you going along to get along maybe you'll only find out if you stay seated or open your mouth later and say, I object to this. Or you could just go use the bathroom last time. That's a good point. More coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. What are your suggestions for Taryn? How have you handled this? 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by NestleFamily.com, where nourishing healthy, happy families is filled with fun. Avoid worrying your child about foods she should and shouldn't eat when she visits friends by providing her with a healthy snack as a gift to the host. That way, she can decide to eat what you've sent without feeling isolated from the other kids. And if she decides not to eat it, that's okay, too. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want just by dialing the toll-free number. Brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. Again, 800-259-9231. Question uh, to answer, if you want to, is what Taryn was asking us about a few moments ago, is how do you handle being in business and at the same time believing in a principled pro-liberty position? How do you deal with that when you're in an an uncomfortable situation like where the business people that you're at a meeting with stand up to uh, pledge allegiance to the flag and you know that the Pledge of Allegiance is something that was written by a a Nazi, a socialist, uh, for the purposes of indoctrinating the youth of America into believing that the state is all and and wonderful and and glorious and powerful? I mean, you, you know the truth is about the pledge. Most of those people don't. What do you do in a situation like that? I like your solution, Mark. Just go out to the bathroom. (laughs) <laughs> during that part you know um we don't want to address it when when the it was such a big deal here in the local courts as to whether or not uh, people stood when the judge came in that's pretty much what i did 
You went to the bathroom. I did. I, you know, I wasn't going to stand for the judge, and I didn't, you know, it, to me it wasn't that important that I go out there and make a statement of sitting down for the judge either. And I remember one day it just happened to be that he was getting ready to throw everybody in jail for doing this, and um, I was happy with something he had done recently, mm-hmm. so I decided I was going to stand for him. So it was very, very fortuitous for me. But, um, you know, I've, I've since then basically set it up with the uh, the bailiffs there that, look, I'm a Quaker. There are lots of people here that are Quakers. Quakers don't have to stand for judges. It's uh, you know there's there's a reasonable amount of precedent for this. Certainly, plenty of them have been pr- thrown in jail for it in the past too. But you know it's against my religion, and that that seemed to be good enough for them. Yeah, they've left everybody alone uh, in a, for a long time about not standing for the judges. Anyway, if you have any ideas you want to share with us, 800-259-9231 on how to deal with uh, being in business and also loving liberty a whole lot. So uh, Free Talk Live has teamed up with Midas Resources. Uh, they are the, the company that puts GCN, our syndicate, on the air. And they uh, and and we believe that you need to have a certain amount of gold and silver uh, sort of stockpiled uh, in your portfolio, however you want to refer to it. Gold's been going up. One can look at, it, look at it as an investment. One can look at it as a hedge against inflation. One can look at it as the only real money, uh, gold and silver. And we have available on uh, at gold.freetalklive.com four coins that I've picked out, including the Lakota Nation Silver Round, the Walking Liberty Half Dollar, uh, both of them, uh, you know, at really great prices. And you can go there and check them out at gold.freetalklive.com. We also have a layaway plan for those of you who uh, wish to, uh, you know, put a certain amount every week towards it and kind of use it as a savings plan. You'd have to call the telephone number 877-857-9938 and talk to them there for the layaway plan. That's 877-857-9938, gold.freetalklive.com. All right, let's continue to take your phone calls about what you want. We're going to go unscreened to the amp line. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey. Hey, who's this? Oh, oh this is Xander. Xander, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, Yeah, actually, I was listening to your show about... Uh, Glenn Beck and how he's kind of pushing a lot of people towards liberty a bit. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, he does not. I uh, he 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 makes me mad. <laughs> okay. When was the first? When was the first time you listened to Glenn Beck? I have caught a lot of samples, a lot of uh, some shows, and I've seen some a, a lot of his rants against atheists. And the non-religious, okay, and how they're ruining America. All right. Well, I mean, that's going to happen with the, the the devoutly religious. They're going to do that. I don't agree, obviously, with it, but um, you know, I mean, but yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> what's the answer to the question, Xander? Oh, what's I I don't know. Uh, but a uh, couple I, years. It, it was just. Uh, I'm not sure. I was just saying how. You're uh, not sure. It just seems like Xander. The, Wait, 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 Xander, Xander, wait. The question is, when was the first time that you heard Glenn Beck? When was the first time I heard Glenn Beck? Uh, Oh, that's a good question. Um, Some, he was doing some comedy tour-ish thing, like, I don't know. So you saw a comedy tour with him? Was this within the last year? Was this five years ago? was about yeah, it was about a year or two years ago. I okay, think. Uh, hold on. Oh. That's that's good enough. Yeah, I just I just wanted yeah. a general idea because he's kind of been moving along in that time frame from neocon to uh, you know more pro liberty. I'm not saying he's left the land of neocon, 
But I'm also going willing to say that the, the, the people that occupy the center of the land of Libertopia really don't like the people that occupy the the, the, the don't make don't make them don't make feel welcome the people that out that that occupy the outlying lands of Libertopia. Right. I think it's less of what Glenn Beck's path has been than more than what his uh, the theme of you know, some of the, his guests have been, I think. Not that I listen to the guy's show uh, these days. I'll come across it occasionally. But it's my understanding that uh, Glenn Beck used to make fun of Ron Paul, and then he, then he came to admit that Ron Paul was right about, I think, the Federal Reserve situation, but I'm not positive exactly what it was. But I believe he's kind of eaten a little crow when it comes to how he's treated Ron Paul in the past. He's got Pendulette on his show, from what I understand, or has had Pendulette on his show. And Pendulette's a very principled, uh, liberty-oriented dude. So I don't know if he would have had either of those two folks on his show five years ago. That's true. I, I hear what you're, where you're coming from. In there. Right. And it, everybody started somewhere. Most of us didn't start in our political uh, paths of, of understanding liberty uh, as essentially yeah. complete liberty-oriented people, and, as pure uh, libertarians. Another reason that he's getting a lot of the flack from the uh, sort of pro-liberty uh, area is – from the Patriots, because he says that there are no FEMA camps, that 9-11 was not an inside job, which, uh, you know, taking those stands is just going to enrage a certain segment of the, you know, the, the Patriot movement. It's just going to it's going to throw them into tizzies. They're going to say, you're working for the new world order. And, and they're trying to they'll, they'll say all kinds of things that simply aren't true. And then, you know, that that kind of gets thrown into the mix. So yeah, what else I did you have on your mind tonight, Xander? Uh, other than that, I just want to see say real quick. I'm interested to see interested to see what the Nobel Peace Prize winner does when it comes to Afghanistan in a couple of weeks and makes his decision whether to send more troops or pull out or whatever. Yeah. So the big news today is that Barack Obama has apparently won the Nobel Peace Prize, as though nobody, I guess, I, I pretty much everybody probably knows that, but that's my response. I mean, I don't really have anything else to say to that. You know, I, yeah. I, I'd like to put, for, 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 for people out there that might be listening that say, hey, wait, this guy's only had a few months to, uh, to, to, to you know, get, get his, use diplomacy to solve problems, um, that kind of thing. I'd like, I'd like them to, to go into an imaginary world with me for a moment where in, say, 2000, early 2001, George Bush is given the Peace Prize by the country of England. Because for people who don't know, the Peace Prize is given out essentially by the government of Norway, um, mm, okay. as, you know, it was financed by Nobel. And, you know, so it's, it's a socialist prize. Um, and what a surprise, a socialist president got a socialist prize. Imagine if George Bush had gotten the, the Peace Prize from England. People would think that was ludicrous because, you know, what was the guy doing for peace? I really have to ask the same question. What is Barack Obama doing for peace? There's bumper stickers that have a peace symbol in the O in Obama. Right. Well, is he is he he's talking to a bunch of nations, which is great. I think that, um, you know, dialogue is a good is a very good thing. However, he's also dialoguing with Iran and, and demagoguing to them and, and saying that they're creating a nuclear program, and they're not. Xander, thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can comment on the whole Obama peace thing. What a big joke. That's, what I, that's how I feel about it. It's Free Talk Live. 
The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number brought to you by SACL CAI. That number is 800-259-9231. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners on our website they are dozens of ladies who've taken the time to uh, send us their validated photo or video to show that they are listeners of the program. And you can see that over at shrine.freetalklive.com. If you are a lady listener, you can become a Shriner. All the details are there at shrine.freetalklive.com. In today's fast-paced world, sometimes you don't have the, the uh, time to eat properly. And, you know, that's true for me sometimes, too. However... Today, as I was running out of the house, I grabbed my Choose for Health Superfruit Complex, and I am confident that I got all the nutrition that I need today from it. And you can uh, check out the incredible list of ingredients and uh, at uh, orderchoose.com. And uh, it includes goji, mangosteen, acai, and nani fruit. And you can get a free week. As all you have to do is pay for a small fee for shipping and handling at 800-219-8874. Just call 800-219-8874. Choose for health. 800-259-9231. Continuing with your phone calls about what do you want. It's Andrew in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Andrew. Andrew in Massachusetts. Gone. He's gone. Let's try Scott in Massachusetts. Scott the Bigot. You're on Free Talk Live. Yes, uh, good evening, uh, Ian and Mark. How are you? It was good before you called. Oh, God. I want to I compliment you on something. You're, you're always gentlemen, even though you may uh, sometimes you... Get annoyed with me. You, you do permit me to talk, and, and, and you live up to your program. I agree with you in many regards about the Pledge of Allegiance. Did you, before I continue the conversation, did you see Michael Moore's film, uh, Capitalism? I have not, no. no. You need to see that. Well, and, that would mean uh, I'd have to, to pay for, that. Uh, that would mean I'd have to pay to go to the movie theater and see well, it. But, you know, a lot of what he says, and, and, and I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a gentleman tonight. I'm gonna eliminate racism tonight and talk about America, what's wrong with America. I would not stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, although my dad gets very angry when I, when I don't. I want to ask you a question. If you're at a ball game, say you're at Fenway Park and there's 30,000 people, everyone's standing to the Pledge of Allegiance, do you get up or you just sit in your seat? Well, I would never be at a ball game like that, but I, I would stay seated. Yeah, I'd have to stay seated. There's so much in America, gentlemen, that's wrong. Uh, I didn't need to see capitalism. When poor people work hard and... Goldman Sachs and other banks have built trillions of dollars, and they rake in trillions, and people are losing their homes and cannot pay their mortgage. This is not a level playing field. No. And I've got to be honest with you. If I, had a, if, I was, if I was of 18 years old of age and I was drafted, America is not worth fighting and dying for. And do I hate America? In many regards, I do. I hate America because... It's so, the playing field is so unlevel. You've got these politicians, if you observe the congressmen and the senators, very few of them have their, their boys in the armed forces. But they want these poor boys, many of them from the South, but not all. They're going over to Iraq, Afghanistan. They're, they're coming home in boxes. 
The other ones are coming home with amp- no legs, no arms, or Walter Reed Army Hospital. And I'm saying to myself, what in God's name are we fighting for in this country? I, don't, I, hear, I heard a person say the other day, America is the greatest country in the world. And I said to this individual, I beg to differ with you, it is not. person looked at me like I was nuts. Yeah. I and bet there's they did. so much wrong with America. Let me elaborate. Yeah, you're going. Yeah, it's, I'm enjoying this so far. Well, Scott. I don't. I don't like the word hate. Yeah. Right. Okay. But generally, I haven't really heard too much to disagree with Scott on in this particular call. Go ahead. There's so much wrong with America, not only economically, but uh, in in the military fight. Like after World War II, I guess was the only good war we fought. After I'll World disagree War II, with you there. Vietnam, Korea. There, there's Vietnam. never any good reason to uh, to steal money to back up killing people. If if you want to go and support killing people with your money on a voluntary basis, then that's your business. But I will never support, no matter what the justification is, will never support stealing from my neighbors, aggressing against my neighbors in order to fund some sort of warmongering effort. Even if even if I might believe that the people that they're going off to fight are uh, worth fighting, which I don't. That's just not my position. But even if I did believe that, I still wouldn't support aggression against my neighbors in order to support it. And that's what the government does. They steal from people at the threat of violence, and they take that money and they use it to fund whatever nonsense they want to fund, whether it's uh, killing uh, brown people in Afghanistan or whether it's taking that money and redistributing it, uh, redistributing it to other people around the country. Uh, none of it should be done in the first place, and everyone should be able to voluntarily choose to support the things they want to. Scott, thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from Can you. Can I say one more thing? One more quick. Uh, what eats me up alive is these boys coming home with no, that are amputees at Walter Reed. They're fighting for the military-industrial complex. They're fighting for Boeing. They're fighting, fighting for Lockheed Martin. And this is what they're dying for, so these big executives can make trillions in defense contracts. And, 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 and it hurts me when I see these boys. They're so young, and they're, and they're ruined for the rest of their lives. Broken spirits, broken bodies. Yeah, it's, it's not true. right. You're right about that, Scott. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Though I, I definitely support what you said, Mark, that, that hate, right? He mentioned the word hate. Right. You know, hating America. I don't hate America. I mean, I, I feel I, – I don't know precisely what America is, and there's a lot – about America that I love. I love freedom. Right. And I love the ideas, ideals that America was founded around, the things that I, I was told that it was. Um, I, I, I believe that its people are, uh, you know, they have a great work ethic and that they, you know, this economy has, you know, essentially is the one that drives the world. And I think we've had, a, had a, in our history a relatively free market. So therefore, we've, you know, in that free market, we've managed to show the world that free markets work. Well, it's not a free market. It's not. I said we in the history we've had it relatively, right? Yeah, but then you said in a free market. No, it's not been a free market. So okay, it's not a free market. However, free compared to some other markets. It's freer than it was freer then than it is today, and um, you know, it's freer than a lot of markets where essentially autocrats have controlled everything and people that have owned land for generations. You know, people just don't have an opportunity to make money. So, I love that part. However, I don't like the government. Yeah, I don't like much about the United States government, the, the national government. Yeah, and I don't like aggression against my neighbors, and I normally don't like what Scott has to say. Normally he's calling in, going off about uh, the Jews this and the blacks that, and I 
I don't like that one bit at all because I think that people are individuals and that's how they should be looked at is by their own individual choices, decisions, and, and beliefs. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And, and that includes the government people, too. Let's go to Andrew, who I believe is back in Massachusetts. Andrew, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ian and Mark. Hey. I'm calling tonight about um, handicapped parking spots and my belief that in a free market there will be far fewer of them and I don't know what if you guys have an opinion on that. I I, I can tell you that handicapped parking spaces frustrate me. Um, when there's a full parking lot and you have to you know you walk from the back of the parking lot and then there's ten empty handicapped spaces sitting up front, I find it frustrating. However, I know that it is a uh, it is a battlefield not worth dying on. You'd probably feel different if you were crippled. I mean, because. Getting out of your car and getting from point A to point B can be a little a bit lot more harder, difficult, sure. depending on how how unable to uh, walk you I are. I feel that they're inefficiently distributed, though. Well, that may be true, and certainly business owners should be free to make their own decisions about how many parking spaces they want to allocate to such a thing. In addition, the government handicapping programs usually include people with non-physical maladies. So if they, I, I don't know what what all the different qualifications are, but I've I've heard stories about people who've gotten the handicap permits for essentially having you know mental illness or something else that is not a physical impairment to their ability to get out of their car and get into the uh, the front door of the store. So there are a number of people that will get their hands on that handicapped. Uh, hanger the little hanger thing they put on the uh, on their rearview mirror and they don't have any sort of uh, inability to physically move i think that that uh the the definition of handicap is way too wide your thoughts andrew well that goes to my next point um about market signals which you talk about a lot ian and i agree with you that the government um is doesn't perceive market signals the way a business would and doesn't respond to them in the same way and that kind of goes to my next point where mark believes that uh cops courts and roads should be with the government, but that is um, not compatible with his belief that all police should have cameras on them, because the, the method... Um, I'll bring, I'll bring you back in a moment. You can, explain, you can explain a little more in a moment if you don't mind. Hang on. We're coming up here with Andrew and your calls as well. If you make them, about whatever you want, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live to control of the airwaves. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. I love the British Sovereign. It's about a quarter ounce, which is usable for a gold coin. They tend to be older and thus are numismatic and untracked by the government. They have the 100-year-old wow factor for the layman and are easily storable for emergencies. You can get them for only $288. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold. .freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same as it is for one coin as it is for 20. So try to get as many as you can at once. 877-857-9938, gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We invite you to our website at freetalklive.com to enjoy all the features on us. And if you like this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. And you'll find that there are dozens of categories in which you can shop. You know Amazon, they're the world's largest Internet retailer. Well, when you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, FreeTalkLive gets a percentage of your purchase. It's still the same great Amazon prices and service and product selection. It's just that you're entering through our portal, so therefore they're giving us a cut. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. 
take the startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your Big Brother search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, and unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. That's startpage.com. All right, let's go back to Andrew in Massachusetts. Andrew, you were attempting to make a point, and we're nailed to the clock. So uh, could you go ahead and recap that briefly and continue on? Sure. Mark believes that cops, courts, and roads should be um, sponsored by the government, um, and he also believes that all police should have cameras on them, and that is incompatible because the police in a public system are least likely to have cameras, and in uh, privately funded police would be most likely to have cameras. So uh kind of go- speaks to the market signals that you guys talk about. You're but, saying uh, because the, the market police would want to be more accountable to their customers? Exactly, and they wouldn't want to um, deal with frivolous lawsuits, so they would, um, they would, be, they would be incentivized to have cameras. You know, that makes perfectly good sense to me. However, um, I think that the, some of the biggest detractions from uh, sort of the libertarian arguments, the, the people, you know, people that, uh, you know, talk about liberty, the first thing that you hear people say are, what about the roads? What about the cops? And then it doesn't take too long before you get muddled in this argument about courts, too. And I feel that if you want to move towards liberty, that we need to make a message that people can get a hold of. And um, that message, I, I think that by and large you should remove the hurdles that they have to get to. If we can get to a world where cops, courts, and roads are, are the only thing that the government handles, I think you're much more likely to see people uh, you know, ready to look at market-based alternatives in those areas. Well, Mark, do you see that your view about the cops having cameras as incompatible with that viewpoint? I think that, uh, in, in, you know, then then you have to fall back. You know, in my position, you have to fall back to the, you know, the sort of vigilance argument that uh, that people generally make. Yes, uh, you know, police that are, uh, you know, sponsored by the government are the least likely to want to have uh, cameras on them. I concur with you completely. It's a good and valid point. However, um, what difference does it make if you don't move towards liberty? I get. I see your point. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. Let's move on and talk to Doug in Texas. Doug, you are on Free Talk Live. Mark, how are you tonight? Hey. Hello. What's on your mind tonight, Doug? Uh, I listen, I'm very interested in hearing your perspective on two things. One's a new idea that I just heard recently from somebody here in the Texas area, and the other is an issue that came up that I wasn't really fully aware of in the uh, in the new Michael Moore movie. The first is I'm interested in your perspective of an idea of voting in uh, during the next national election where they're voting for congressmen and senators at the at the at the federal level that we vote in, uh, we vote out everybody that's there. I mean, every swinging person that's there in Congress and Senate, vote them out. And and the only person that we would vote in in any of those would be somebody that's never been there before. So you want to vote okay. out Ron Paul? Vote them all out. Everyone. Ron Paul, you want to vote Ron Paul out? Yeah, you know, there's that argument, Ron Paul, Kucinich, there's several people that, that you know, the lady from uh, Ohio, there's several that are, that are standing up doing the right things. But the whole idea is to send a message to the world that then you know, we're done with this bunch. How are you going to over? How are you going to do that? I mean, haven't, haven't people been proposing that for well every election season? 
Well, I, I, I hadn't heard it before. It came, recently came to me, and I thought it was an excellent idea, frankly. It would send a strong message. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely against it. It's, it's kind of like the term limits argument that uh, people bring up. Right. I'm not mm-hmm. against uh, the, you know, the, the idea of voting against the incumbent. I find that, the, by and large, incumbents are more effective legislators, which I consider to be bad thi- a bad thing. Um, and so, therefore, getting rid of them, by and large, is a good thing. However, I do have a problem with... Uh, you know the idea of getting rid of Ron Paul. However, I don't ha- I don't have that option. Um, I will likely vote against uh, all the incumbents in the upcoming uh, election, but just because I'm not interested in having them in there. But don't you think it's just pie in the sky fantasy? I mean, because what I'm trying to say is my understanding is I've always heard people saying things like, "Vote the bums out. Let's clean sweep Washington. Get good people in there instead of those bums in Washington." Da 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 da, and so on and so forth. I've heard that so many times, election season after election season, and every time, regardless of how whipped up people seem to be about the ideas like that. It's usually a 90 plus percent incumbent reelection rate. So yeah, but I think what's going on that's different this time around. There's a whole lot of people that are that are experiencing the tyranny of government at, at, at their home level now, and I believe there's an anger level in this country now, right now, that there is there hasn't been since damn near the first revolution. And I, I agree with that. And, and you know, short of going. You know, my solution is going to Washington to find as many trees and as much rope as we can and deal with it that way. But we're, that's not going to happen. No, so, I, I don't think that's going to solve any problems. Is, is a vote, so. I, I don't think it's the solution either. Um, but, you know, I, I understand the frustration. So, again, uh, how are you going to – you just think this is going to be something that's going to come together naturally? Or will it, will it take some sort of uh, – somebody to head it up at a national level to try to work – I think the more people that start talking about it, the better. It's just an interesting idea whose time has come. Like I said, there's, you know, I mean, we got a clean house up there, and and there's a couple of things related to that, just so we can get, you know, some sanity back and some realization of the Constitution meaning something, which means nothing to these people at all. So, well, now I think you've really, I think you've really gone a little bit too far into fantasy land here. Number one, it's a fantasy to believe that something like this will happen. Though I suppose it's possible somewhere out in some alternative uh, universe that everybody could be swept out of. Let's just say 90% gets swept out. 90% of the, the people in D.C. get swept out and, and replaced I think with you'd somebody be, new. You'd be really impress- it would be really impressive if 20% got swept uh, Right. I think the fantasy is to believe that the newbies that you'd be implementing there would in any way give a damn about the Constitution. Uh, you know, give a rat's butt about uh, any sort of level of principle or reducing the size of government. I think that uh, that's even more fantastic to believe. I think that, you know, it'd be enough to just say, get the incumbents out and replace them with a bunch of political newbies that don't really know their way around the system that yeah. that effectively. That might have some level of slowing down the growth of government, but to believe that any significant portion of those people, whoever they may end up being, that any anything, more than 1% of them, would have any ideas about what liberty really means, I think is pure fantasy. Well, I think, the, you know, there's another side of looking at that. Just you, you call them newbies and, and, and speak of them like that might be a disadvantage, but I think there might be actually be a flip side to that view in that uh, if they don't really understand the political system at all, they're newbies, literally. They really don't much understand. They're going to have to go. They're going to have to go back to some basics and learn what the Constitution is all about mm, and no, how things no. are supposed to be 
Washington. No, I think no, a better no. Chance Sorry, for I don't I, think I disagree right with that. that entirely. If if the average person got elected, just say you know somebody who wasn't you or I, but just you know kind of the kind of average person, the person you were before you figured out about liberty, well, they the what they know. Wait, wait, wait. Run, no. What they know about Washington is you get what you want by put, passing a law. And that's what they're going to do is they're going to try to pass laws well, plus, because that's what legislators do. Plus, plus, I didn't say that it would be bad that there would be newbies. I agreed with you that it would be, a, you know, it would be a preferable to have a bunch of newbies as opposed to a bunch of politically seasoned people that know how to work the system. So I'm agreeing with you that far. But I don't think there's any possibility that somebody who's brand new to Washington, D.C. is going to go get elected and sit down and say, well, you know, I better see what this Constitution's all about. What will happen is they'll go to D.C., they'll meet their uh, their office staff. The office staff will say something to the effect of, welcome, Mr. Smith. Here's how we're doing things here. Well, today we're going to go and vote on this and that. We've got these lobbyists that want to come meet you today. We're going to meet some of these lobbyists for the first time. You'll be meeting them a lot. They'll be getting to know you very well. They're the ones and, with the hookers and the cocaine. Right. And uh, so, you know, we're just going to uh, show you the ropes here. And so they're just going to get plugged right into a system that is going to immediately work on, even if they had some level of, uh, of principle, which I don't believe they will, even if they had some level of principle, the system would immediately work on corrupting them with the with the power. So I have to say that, uh, I, I wish you good luck with your, your plan. I don't think you're going to get, like you said, Mark, more than 20% of the incumbents wiped out because the system is stacked against challengers to the incumbents. The incumbents get, amongst other things, they uh, they get the uh, they get the free uh, campaign materials t- sent through the mail. The U.S. Postal Service will essentially waive their fees for any incumbent uh, election uh, campaign materials that uh, that go out. So they've got so many different... Uh, setups built into their system to essentially keep them entrenched in office. It's really just a, a fantasy that uh, that you're playing with here. But I, I wish you good luck, and maybe you'll prove me wrong. Well, I, I think it's a, a bit of a cynical view that you have. But yes. That's okay. I mean, that's the, the idea of different perspectives. No, it things. is cynical, and it's cynical based on me paying attention to the way things work in Washington, D.C. This is just how things are. Thank you for the well, call I think, tonight. I th- Thank you. I'm sorry, but we're going to move on here. Hour number two is coming up. 800-259-9231. Tell me that it's, it's, it's been anything different besides the incumbents stay in, and that's just how it is. Hour number two is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA, but you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAMail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange-hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24-7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNA Mail even supports your BlackBerry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint Internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with DNAMail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit DNAMail.com and join the evolution. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. 
so we're going to continue here and take your calls about whatever you want. Also, on the way, we'll talk a little bit about some of the controversy that's been bubbling up here in the uh, state of New Hampshire with some of the activists that have moved here as part of the Free State Project. But I want to just address real quickly uh, what Doug was talking about in the last hour. So if you're just tuning in, we had Doug in Texas call in, and he was talking about his idea for how to fix Washington, D.C. And and we agree it is definitely broken. Well, it's broken, but I don't agree that it really can be fixed. I've, I've given up on uh, the whole federal government idea in the first place. I think it's too – there's too much power there. There's just no way – that anything us little folk do out here is going to have any kind of effect on Washington, D.C., because whether you sweep them out of office, which is what he was suggesting, let's just clean sweep them, get rid of everybody, and put it, put in new people. I think that even if you could do something like that, it would do very, very little to actually... It certainly wouldn't turn the direction of Washington, D.C. around. It might slow the growth of government just a little bit, while the newbies kind of got acclimated to uh, to what was going on. But I, I didn't want to make it sound like I had no plan, that I, I didn't have a, a solution, because I, I certainly did sound awfully pessimistic about what he was saying, and I am pessimistic about what he was saying. I think if if you believe you can replace all 535 of the Congress people up there, I wish you the best of luck. It sounds like a very expensive campaign, and uh, that's money that you're not going to get back. It's money that you could spend on your family. It's money that you could save for your retirement, as opposed to trying to change the uh, the status quo there in Washington D.C. but but even if you could even if you could wipe out 90% or 100% of the uh, the incumbents up there it it still isn't going to change the fundamental problem of the federal government the federal government itself its existence is the problem the idea that it's okay to uh, wield power and force and aggression over peaceful people that's what the federal government does and by switching out all of the uh, the elected officials, you're not going to switch out all the bureaucrats. The government programs are still going to be running full steam ahead. And those uh, those people that uh, that were elected, they're not going to be constitutional people. There are maybe a handful of guys that are running for federal office that might have a grasp on the Constitution. I'm thinking of Ron Paul, maybe the son of Ron Paul, uh, Rand, I believe his name is, and Peter Schiff. Maybe Adam Kokesh, maybe, but I've heard that he's gone off the the uh, the Liberty train already. I don't I don't know what the details are on that. That doesn't sound right to me, but okay. Uh, so there's really no significant hope for Washington D.C. Now, does that mean that I'm not going to do anything? No, that means that I'd much much rather focus on things I can actually affect. I can actually affect things that are happening near nearby. I I can affect things that are happening here in New Hampshire. You might be able to have some effect on things that are going on in, in your state. I'm not going to completely write off state politics as, as useless, because I think I've seen some evidence here in New Hampshire, at the very least, that something can happen here. Change can be affected on a state level, and certainly on a local level. There was an election just a, a few days ago here in Keene, New Hampshire, where a, a writing candidate, me, uh, was, was unable to get on the ballot by one vote. So, so had, one more vote would have changed that election. But possibly. I mean, they probably would have still tried to keep me off the ballot because they're doing everything they could to keep me off the ballot. In fact, the reason why that vote didn't go through, it turns out, was because there was an intimidation campaign that was in effect by the city people because they did not want um, my name to go on the ballot when when I first went down and registered as Ian Nobody Bernard. The idea was to run as a nobody can, uh, candidate. Now, I was there for that, and it seemed like they wanted you on the ballot. They just didn't want you on the ballot as nobody. 
they did not want me on the ballot as nobody. You're, you're correct about that. But they also were doing everything they could to stop uh, the people that were the liberty-oriented people from coming and voting on the primary day because, well, I guess they just didn't want them voting for some reason. Maybe they knew that we were going to try a write-in campaign because I mentioned it on the blog at freekeen.com. I don't think they wanted me on the ballot, Mark, because they know that even if I was on as my uh, my legal name, that I would still be running a campaign as nobody. I would still be publicly announcing that I would not be taking office. So if if I were to have been on the ballot and have won, I would not have been taking the uh, the position. And so that would what would that mean for their legitimacy? If I don't think it would mean a darn thing for their legit legitimacy. We've if, shown if nobody wins the election, I don't know. That's a pretty yeah, but, un, unprecedented but nobody won't matter. be on the ballot. It'll be but as, the candidate who is nobody. You see, if I were to have just registered as my legal name, I still would have campaigned as nobody. So the idea would have been that a vote for me would have been a vote for nobody, and and, and I think that would have been damaging to them. So they were there actively challenging anybody that came to to vote that had their their voters registration set up at a UPS store in town and they were basically saying that's not a legitimate address and they handed the person a piece of paper called a domicile affidavit where they'd have to swear that they were domiciled at at a particular location and that bureaucratic process was enough to frighten off somebody who just didn't want to deal with that he just didn't want to sit down and, and waste the time and spend the time to jump through their paperwork hoops so he could go and fill in a little checkbox on their voting form and because of that they were able to prevent uh, the, that tenth vote from from getting in there, so they they had a targeted campaign against people that have uh, the, the UPS store address. Anyway, what I, I bring that up for is to point out that one vote would have made a difference here in Keene, New Hampshire, and one vote won't make a hill of beans of a difference in Washington D.C. No, it won't. And the people that are running for office in your local area, at the very least, you live near those people. At the very least, you, you could know possibly who they are. In, in fact, here in New Hampshire, you can call the so-called representatives' houses, the state representatives. You can actually talk to them. You can actually have a discussion with them instead of having to go through the secretary and the aide and the assistant and not ever being able to speak to these people. By and the large, they level. don't listen when you do talk to them, but you know you can call them up. And I'm that not makes saying the, it's perfect. Makes it much more um, successful. Right. I'm not saying the system is great, but it's certainly more accessible than the the federal government. Yes. Is. So that's why I say there is a, a chance that things could change on a, on a local level. I would also say it's more accessible than most states. So what I would focus on, if I were David. Or Doug, excuse me, Doug, who called in from Texas. If I were Doug, I would focus on changing things locally, though I don't think that you can have any effect in Texas either because it's just so huge. I think that that's one of the reasons why the Free State Project is going to be successful, both politically and outside the system-wise, because we're concentrating people that actually do want to work toward change all in the same geographic area. I think that that makes a big difference. I mean, the, the population of Texas is tremendous in comparison to the population of New Hampshire, so we can make people that that love liberty can make a bigger impact, can have a bigger impact in a, a smaller place like New Hampshire than they otherwise could in places like Florida or, or New York or Texas or California or something like that. So I would focus on getting your state government to secede. I mean, you want to talk about... What we're talking about with uh, the federal government is pretty impossible. The idea of replacing everybody, I would say secession or declaring independence would be a hell of a lot more politically possible in one state than it would be to clear out the uh, 535 drunken sailors in Washington, D.C. Well, I'm I'm kind of with you. You you said that you, you, know, you wished him luck, and I really do wish him luck in 
getting me wrong. Yeah, getting uh, you know Washington back to the ideas of the Constitution and liberty. I just I I don't believe it either. However, I do think that it seems to be sort of uh, you know like a growing stage for people in this in the ideas of liberty um, that they have to. J- jump into politics or whatever and see how it works. And they have to see it fail. They have to see their efforts go down in flames before they'll understand. <laughs> to, to, to see how just incredibly difficult it is to get anything done in Washington, D.C. I can postulate on what it would take to make Washington, D.C. a place that cared about liberty and, and, and you know personal sovereignty, people's uh, right to keep their money and, and you know all those kinds of things. But you know, my speculation by itself, one of 300 million people here in the United States, is just simply of no value. The toll-free number for your thoughts at 800-259-9231. So I didn't want to make it seem like I didn't have any ideas or I didn't uh, – or I was just trying to be negative. It's just that I have nothing for the federal government. I don't have any ideas for changing the federal government. I don't believe it's possible. I think the best thing that you can do is ignore them. Do everything you can to avoid paying them. Do not give them money on a voluntary basis in any way, shape, or form. Don't pay taxes. If you can avoid paying them, don't do it. Don't obey them. Don't jump through their hoops. Don't obey their regulations. Refuse to cooperate with them. And do whatever you can to get uh, your state government people to withdraw from the union. I think that's the best out. Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that... Fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com, click on Free Inspection and Estimate in the upper right-hand corner, fill out the online form, earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Story from IndieStar.com. Oh, by the way, also want to tell you about the Millionaire Patriot. You've heard of him, haven't you? Well, you should have. He's got five days of firearms training waiting for you, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and your free gun. That's FrontSight.com. IndyStar.com, the clock is ticking for Alicia Hull. She's been looking furiously for a job since she graduated from Ball State University in May with a degree in microbiology. But with the economy sagging and no real prospects in sight, the honors student will soon have to make the first payment on her $55,000 in student loans. Jeez. Or she'll have to ask her lenders for a delay. Hull, 23, is one of 1.4 million people who graduated from U.S. colleges in May of this year. More than half of them are being dumped into a bad economy loaded down with debt, a total obligation estimated at 32.5 billion dollars. I guess that's the amount for the 1.4 million uh, young people. It's the largest debt ever recorded for a nation of college graduates and some, or maybe that's all of them. I think, yeah, that's maybe all of them. 
Uh, and some economists and student advocates say it could hamper not only the buying power of young families struggling to set up households, but also an economy struggling to shake off a recession. Eddie Irons, the project on student debt, said that these are there are serious effects this will have on the economy when people are paying hundreds of dollars a month, not just 10, but 20 and 30 years after school. They're less likely to buy a house, save for retirement or start a business. Absolutely true. It's a real burden to the economy. And isn't that how the system is set up? I mean, the this, this system that is so heavily promoted when you're in high school, when you're in government high school, at least when I was, it was all, oh, you're going to go to college, right? That's what everybody who's oh, a winner yeah. does. Winners go to college. You want to get a good job, don't you? Don't you want to get a good job, get paid a lot of money? You should go to college. And so, of course, kids listen to that, and they figure, well, yeah, I want a good job. I want a lot of money. I want to go to college. So they go to college, and then they uh, they take out all these loans. And they even if it's not a, a down economy, it's still a, a pretty poor financial idea, in my opinion, unless you absolutely need college education for the career that you're interested in. Right. To, Tra- to training is, is the right thing for certain types of careers. However, there are many careers where you can get on-the-job training and not have to pay anything for it no no they pay you in many cases well, yeah the, the, I mean, training well they're absolutely true um so you know when it seems to me that there are a lot of degrees i would even perhaps go so far as most of the degrees out there are degrees that are, you know it's a business they sell degrees mm-hmm. and they've managed to get the pr hyped up around what it is that they do and people are of the opinion you know, I I met I knew this girl um, who ran a magazine. I talked I talked to her talked about her last night, and I talked to her about her degree. She, her degree was in something entirely unrelated to running a, a magazine. magazine. And I asked her, "Do you think that your degree was important?" And she said, "Yes." She said she felt that it was very valuable. She didn't have any reasons why well, she, she spent felt money it was, on it. She better feel that right, way, right? And that's really the thing is, you know, it's like you and your chair that you sit in that you spend hundreds of dollars on, and nobody likes it except for you. Yep, yeah, I love this chair, right. and it's probably because I paid hundreds of dollars for the chair. Yeah. Perhaps uh, you know, it, it kind of looks unique too, and people always look at it. So I like things that look unique. But you know, it's 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 the same way. She's got this confirmation bias thing going on. You're justifying your purchase. You're justifying your decisions. You want to be right. Right. She'd have to have been a fool to pay tens of thousands. In her case, it's, it's probably more than a hundred thousand on this the school that she went to, and it it's not okay. really have been worth anything. I've done some foolish things. Not 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 worth anything, but not worth enough to justify the cost. Yeah, and that's just it. Uh, with default rates on students, student loans rising, colleges are under pressure to keep costs down, and policymakers are seeking changes they hope will present the best and brightest of a generation known as millennials or echo boomers from also being tagged debtors. For now, Hull and countless others are preparing for a payment deadline in November. She said, I get more and more nervous the closer it gets. She's moved back home, by the way, to her dad's house. That's uh, probably a good idea. I was hoping I would have had a job by now. She's determined to find a way to start paying on her loans, even if she has to take a job in food service, rather than in a research lab where she could put her college education to work. Good girl. I'm proud of her um, for that. For going ahead and just doing something. Get the job. She but, says, you know, you really have to ask yourself sometimes, you know, if she's going to go into food service, say she gets the the job at a fast food restaurant. I don't mm-hmm. want to single out the same fast food restaurant all the time. But, you know, four years Six years, I don't know how long this degree of hers uh, she went for. She's 23, probably four. Four, year, four years she went for this degree. Where would she have been at this restaurant if she would have started there at 18 rather than going to school at 18? I'm, I'm for following your dreams. However, 
you know, I think the best piece of advice on this is when Jason Osborne, the uh, uh, the the owner of SACL CAI and the number one sponsor of this show, came on and said, "College is a great idea as long as somebody else pays for it." Yeah. And uh, you know, if you if you get the 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 scholarships, if you can go out and you get the kind of grades that you manage to get, college for free, go go to college. You might as well. But if you've got to pay for it, if your family has to pay for it, do you really want to put that kind of burden on your parents? Hundreds, a hundred thousand dollars. If you don't know what a hundred thousand dollars is like, if you're, you know, seventeen years old and you don't know what it's like, trust me, it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's more money than you're probably going to make by the time you're thirty. I don't know. That's probably an exaggeration. But she it's says, a lot of money. Uh, she says I'm going to have to get something really soon, even if it isn't my dream job. In the long run, college grads are not likely to regret getting an education. In a lifetime, a college graduate will earn one million dollars more than a person with only a high school diploma, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. But the problem with that is, is that they include the the degrees that we're talking about. I would, what I would love Wait, to do. Who includes it? The, the people that you make these statistics. Okay. Um, if you were to, t- I would love to see, let's take lawyers, doctors, uh, b- uh, you know, engineers, mm-hmm. uh, b- perhaps not even computer guys necessarily, because a lot of computer guys manage to self-educate and do a very fine job at it. Um, you know, there's probably a few more that, that need to be included in this list that aren't take coming them out of the you. average. Yeah. Take them out of the average. I want to see how much more they make. And how do these people with these uh, degrees in the French horn, yeah. in communications, liberal arts, in liberal arts, in uh, you know just these these I'm sorry throwaway degrees, uh, sociology, psychology. If you're going to be a psychologist, you probably should have a psychology degree. However, how many people who get psychology degrees use it? Um, you know, from there on, just just a bunch mm-hmm. of throwaway degrees. History, which is the one I like, economics. Uh, you know, what's that useful for, for somebody who doesn't go and get a Ph.D.? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great point. Take, take the people who got bachelor's degrees, who didn't get them in things. Uh, yeah, that's it. Just take the people who basically got bachelor's degrees and didn't didn't go on to be a doctor, lawyer, uh, engineer, or something like that. I want to talk about just them. How much of the million dollars? I mean, they, they say, that, you know, the claim is, and this is used by college recruiters all over the place, that a college graduate will earn a million dollars more than a person with only a high school diploma. But how much of that million dollars is being paid back in uh, in fees? Yeah. How much of the million dollars is actually not something they get to hold on to? Because earning a million dollars is is different than keeping a million dollars, right? Earning a million dollars and then having to pay, you know, 300000 of it back in uh, in loan fees. I, I don't know what the average amount that, that college kids have to pay back for loans, but I know people that are in their 50s that are still still paying off their college loans. <laughs> it's crazy. That, what and about that's in their 50s today. Yes. Imagine what it's going to be like in 20 years. All right, more on the way here. Your thoughts your, uh, on this. It's Free Talk Live. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com.
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Julia is sitting in for the remainder of the show. And uh, we'll take your calls about anything, as always. Talking right now about college, however, and the claims that they make about how great college is supposed to be for you is that really true, though? We'll dig in a little further here in moments. Do you have someone in your life who's crazy about the Twilight series of books? Or a teenager who still laments that Harry Potter is over? Buy them a copy of The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. It's a new novel by Spencer Baum, and it has all the adventure and teen angst of the other books, and it's written from a libertarian perspective. Find out more and read the first six chapters for free at TheDemonQueen.com. That's TheDemonQueen.com. All right. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. We're sharing a story from IndieStar.com that's talking about how 1.4 million people graduated from U.S. colleges this year. They're being dumped into a bad economy, loaded down with debt, a total obligation estimated at $32.5 billion. The young lady that they're following in the story, a 23-year-old Alicia Hull, is 50-something thousand dollars in debt, and she has zero prospects for a job in her particular area. So she's looking at going into food service. And, of course, the college experts, uh, the people that work for the colleges, are always going to say things like, well, uh, taking a student loan is still one of the best investments you can make. In a lifetime, a college graduate will earn a million dollars more than a person with only a high school diploma. Right. I wish they'd get a used car salesman on there to talk about what a great idea it is to get a loan to get a used car. So uh, then I went looking because I remember we'd read something before on the air about that million-dollar claim. Now, remember, that's data that's collected from the U.S. Census Bureau. So that alone should be enough to call it into question, that it's a, it's a government number. Basically, so who knows how they are calculating it. But according to InsightHigherEd.com, I'm going to just skip into uh, way down in this. It's a lengthy article about, uh, about this particular claim. It says that the college board's report itself doesn't embrace the million-dollar college premium that had its genesis in the U.S. Census Bureau data. Education Pays references the figure only in a footnote, saying that college graduates who also earn higher degrees can earn such a hefty earnings boost. So college graduates who also earn higher degrees, does that mean graduate degrees? I would, I would say that means master's and graduate degrees. Yeah, sure it does. Or master's and doctorate degrees, absolutely. So, so when they say college graduates... Makes it sound like it's a bachelor's degree when, in point of fact, it's they're not even really talking well, about that. This is something I really got to sit back and watch about my dad. Yes, uh, I referenced him without n- naming who he was. Right. Well, my dad went to college, and my my dad wanted more than anything to go back to college to be a history teacher. I guess it's it was like a dream that he had when he was young, and he went back and got his bachelor's degree. And my mother worked very hard to support him during all this. And yeah. and uh, and then he... Your mom was working at a real job right. to support your dad going to school. Right. And I, and I think that my dad kind of views himself as like better than other people who didn't go to college. Um, like I just have heard him say nasty things about people who don't go to college. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's one of those college snobs. But after he got his bachelor's degree, he could not... Uh, get a job really well not a good job um he did all kinds of yeah he would be 
Like he would get us one class, but he was never a professor at, at a university. And then and then he decided to move our family back to Florida because he thought it would be easier for him to get a job teaching at a community college. And he was unsuccessful. He got a job working as like a media specialist, you know, in the computer lab at a community college. And he then finally got a job teaching high school history, which he hated. Mm -hmm. And I don't talk to my dad and, and my mother and I don't talk about my dad. So I have no idea what he does now. But when I left, he was teaching high school history, or maybe at that point in time it had gone to like a community college history class or something like that, but at a college three hours away from wow. my home. So even though he's married to my mother, he lives like in a, he rents a crappy little apartment far <laughs> away from his home and only goes home on the weekends. For a job he doesn't really like that Right. And, and, he, and what's funny about it, though, is he went back and got his master's degree. So he, he was convinced that he just needed the next level. And that still didn't land him the job he wanted. So he now, when I left, at least, the last time I talked to him, he was talking about going back and getting his graduate degree, spending more money. And, he and he's has, a man in his 50s. Right. And he has a lot of debt now, a lot of loans to pay off. Not a position I would want to be right. in. Right. But he would, he would look down on someone like me and what I do. Because Which, you work in a restaurant. Right. I work in a restaurant, a rest, a rest, a management, and I make decent money, and I don't have any debt, and I don't have any loans to pay. Yeah, it seems like you're in a better position at age 24 than your dad is in his 50s, right. financially. And it's a status thing, really. And I'd also like to point out that you, like, you have a very unusual circumstance. You basically had the opportunity to get your degree, uh, your your bachelor's degree. It was it was all but in your hand, and you just decided to. To let it oh all yeah, go. it actually wasn't a bachelor's. It was my uh, associates in okay, arts degree or whatever is AA. Um, and Memory I, plays tricks on you, you know. I had every. I took every class but one class when I left my home where I lived with mm -hmm. my parents and moved in with you, Ian. And so I had one class to take, and I took that one class, and and I actually just didn't show up to the final exam. So. There was reason, logical reasoning behind that. The teacher wanted me to write like a 16-page paper in one night, which is just insane. So I really couldn't pass it. But I just said, you know what? Oh, well. And I tell, like, if on an application I would put that I got my associate's degree, I basically did. And who cares? Yeah, who does care? Uh, so let me share a little bit more of this here uh, from InsideHigherEd.com. Miller's letter proceeds to point out all the ways in which the usual way methods of assessing the value of a college degree are flawed. The calculations typically report the lifetime earnings in the present value of the dollar totals rather than adjusting for inflation over time. So that's a factor. Uh, plus, they include those with advanced degrees rather than just those who only have a baccalaureate. I don't know. Baccalaureate. Baccalaureate diploma, and assume that students finish college in four years in calculating a student's costs of and benefits from going to college when relatively few students on average actually do finish in that four-year time. So they're averaging in the graduate people, they're averaging in the lawyers and the doctors and all that with everybody else. I think you're absolutely right, Mark. If you took a look at the people that have the liberal arts degrees and what they earn over time versus what Julia is going to earn or somebody else in, in you know, an upward, upwardly mobile person, because obviously if you look at the people working minimum wage jobs who don't have the, the drive to move up, mm -hmm. if, if you were to actually compare upwardly mobile people with the motivation, the inspiration to succeed and to, uh, to have, a, in, in, have a good life – 
that did not get a college degree versus the people that do have a college degree, that would, I think, be an even more interesting comparison. And nobody's comparing those uh, those statistics. Right. I think if you're if you're looking at postgraduate uh, numbers, you'll definitely find people make more money. Your father in- excluded, uh, Julia. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, somebody somebody has to, to to break the mold, and I think that you'll find that. But college is is buying. You know, I'm I'm sorry. College is almost as useless as a high school diploma. I, you know, I'm not entirely, but gosh, I, I think it's just blown up too much. I just don't think that the uh, that a, a baccalaureate is worth what they charge for it for the vast majority of people to get one. In fact, substituting some of his own assumptions for those used by the college board, including six years of tuition costs and hence two fewer years of work, private college tuition instead of in-state public tuition, etc., Miller calculates his own college premium. Property using the present value of the lifetime earnings adjusted for the cost of going to college and the difference in the number of working years and excluding those graduates with advanced degrees calculated at 3% discount rate used in the report he wrote produces a lifetime earnings differential of only $279,893 for a bachelor's degree versus a high school degree. Now, And you also have to consider the type of people that go to college and get their bachelor's versus the type of people that just get their, their high school diploma. Right. And you know what you're getting there is you're just getting a higher caliber of person, so of course they're going to make more. Exactly. 800-259-9231, which is why I say you need to compare the upwardly mobile people with the other upwardly mobile people, and I don't think that's ever been done. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. That's the point of the program. And we want to tell you about Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. Head on over to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL and get yourself a free audiobook download. They have over 60,000 titles from which to choose, and in every genre, Audible has it covered. Get your free audiobook download right now at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. We're talking about college. It's a topic that I like to bring up from time to time because there are a lot of young people that listen to this show, and college may not be right for you. You know, maybe it is right for you. Maybe you want to be an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. Well, there's no way you're going to be able to get into certain professions without having a college degree. But for a lot of people, the college process is really a lot of time wasted and a lot of wasted money. I don't, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to go for the time wasted part. I think that people get, you know, most people get something of value out of their college years. Consider who you're sending to college by and large. By and large, you're sending, uh, you know, 18-year-olds that have little direction, um, that really don't know where they're going in life or what they want to do. Most of them are shuttled off there by their parents mm-hmm. who are going to feel better with them taking the safe road of college because, well, it's the safe road, right? I mean, it all things considered, college is probably a safer bet than just having a high school diploma. However, here's the problem. The problem comes in with paying for it. 
it, and as I said before, if you can get if you if somebody's offering you a full board scholarship, take it. Go to college. It sounds like you're it's good for you. And get a degree in something that actually makes money, please. But um if if you're going to be paying for it yourself, mm-hmm. I worked my way through college. Don't do that. That's what I'm basically saying. Unless you're going to work your way through through a, a, a doctor in school or engineer in school. I worked my way through community college, and for me, I mean, it was it was cheap. Like yep. I spent four thousand dollars on the whole affair, and I, you know, was able to pay for classes by working a job every semester. Yep. And that was good for me because it just made me realize that I didn't want to continue. And well, I, you walked away from it with no debt. Is that correct? Right. I mean, like walked away yeah. from it. It's not that you've paid off the debt since you no, left. No, I never had right. college you debt. You wrote them a check. Yeah. You wrote a check out for so what So I you, would say that if you're paying for college yourself, please go to a cheap community college first. You can get all the basic classes yes. out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And you can make the decision for yourself whether mm-hmm. or not you want to continue. Absolutely. Also, we're talking about the numbers and the claims that the college boards and the college promoters will make because remember this is their business their business is to run you through their system yes. sell you loans put you through their classes and then collect money from you for the next 20 30 however many damn Wait, years it's a huge to... business too it's big money uh, the, the, the way it's done if you love a particular college and i certainly did when i was at that age you know go out and buy yourself a buckeye sweatshirt they got them they're nice <laughs> 20 bucks uh, so, so we were talking about the, the claims that they make about people making more money, and we broke that down. We found out that they're very dishonest, that they're based on government numbers, and they're based on uh, – they're averaging together all kinds of different college grads, including graduate students and master's degrees and things like that. They're not very honest with those numbers, first and foremost. Plus, they're comparing them against everybody who is out in the work workforce. I think it would be a lot more fair to compare upwardly mobile people, people that actually want to move up in the companies they're working for, people that want to have a better standard of, li- of living and are willing to work towards it, rather than just you know the more shiftless folks that are just going along to get along and just kind of living paycheck to paycheck. There's a difference in, in worker types out there, and I think it would be more interesting to compare those, uh, those different groups. Seeing as how that's not being done, we can just look at our individual uh, friends and, our, and their stories, and, and Julia's story is, uh, is, of course, a great example, her comparison to her father and how much more financially successful she is. And I think that's the other factor that they're not taking into effect here. When they look at the numbers between a college graduate, and they, after they whittled it down, they said, well, if you only look at bachelor, de- bachelor degrees on average, they only make t- uh, $270,000 more than, uh, than a high school diploma. But you're still talking about the average high school diploma person, not the people that are w- looking to move up in life, not the people that are looking to earn more. And what about people with financial intelligence? Most people that graduate college and high school don't have financial intelligence. They don't teach As this. evidenced by the loans that they're getting. Exactly. <laughs> they don't teach that in college. And so what about somebody like a Julia who's going through, uh, who, who didn't go to any you know, bachelor's degree or anything like that, who knows how to save money, who has a few investments here and there, and who doesn't have the debt... You can you I think you're going to be doing a lot better later on in life Julia than the average college graduate because the average college graduate has no idea how to take care of themselves financially. They just think they can get a good job and then they'll, they'll be okay. Yeah. It's kind of this fantasy too because a lot of them like that I know I work with so many college kids and they sort of they kind of think about it like well, it doesn't matter. I don't really have to think about that kind of stuff while I'm in college. And they just say, like, I'll mm. worry about it later. I right. won't, it doesn't matter. Bad this idea. is how, this is how uh, for one, one thing, that public school and sort of being a child works 
against people that are going to school and getting, um, um, you know, getting having to pay for it themselves because all they do is basically go into the bank and this government backed loan is given, you know, is, is issued by the bank. And I believe that there, I believe even bankruptcy can't get rid of student loans. Mm. If, if I'm correct on this, uh, if I'm incorrect, please, you know, call in or send me an email and let me know. But I'm pretty sure that even bankruptcy doesn't get rid of, of, uh, college, uh, loans. So what you'd have is a person coming from a free education, signing a piece of paper, and then continuing on with education that they don't have to pay for. So it, it shows up in their life as, well, this is free. Mm-hmm. And until, the rubber hits the road. They're told, don't worry about the loan. You'll make plenty of money, and right. we'll just put it off until you start getting a good... As a matter of fact, it, it doesn't even start getting coming due until uh, you know three months, six months after you graduate. You'll be fine by then. You'll have the BMW already. Yeah, right. What a bunch of nonsense. You know, Julia, you were telling me something recently about one of your coworkers that was going to college who got cut a check from the loan department or whoever it was it's, that cuts you the check. Oh, can yes. You, can you relate that briefly? Sure. Just um, as an example this of was, financial This was intelligence. A, a girl I work with, and she got like a loan check, and there's extra money on it sometimes because th- what they do is they send you more for like books and stuff like that. Mm. And she was telling me how excited she was that she got the loan check, and she was they basically just spend it on other crap. Like they go out and buy like a big TV or a new computer or something. I hear about <laughs> this all the time at work with... Which, if I got extra money, the only place that that would go would be back towards the loan if I took out that kind of a loan in the first place, and I wouldn't. So Right. We're talking about giving loans to children. That's <laughs> what we're talking about here. No, no, I'm serious, because that's how these people are treated. They're treated like they're children, except now they're in the adult world, and they are able to take out a loan. So you have a child who has no idea about what finances are or how to uh, how to handle their bank accounts and how to how to do anything but beyond a, swipe a credit card and you're giving them a loan and this is how they respond. All right, it's I got my check this month. Let's go shopping. And it depends on the loan because I have seen people with student loans ranging from seven and a half percent on down to I believe uh, you know not wanting to reveal too much here, but I I have a good friend who has one that's uh you know about two i think it's 2.2 percent now a loan for 2.2 percent is basically below inflation so the longer it takes you to pay it off the better off you are but you know one still has to figure in sort of the the loss of revenue that you could have made while you were working um instead Mm -hmm. of getting this degree and all that other stuff but you know it at this this seven percent loan really you want to buy a TV at 7% and you don't yeah. even start paying for it for another two and a half years from now? Good Lord. Let's go to Corby. What a bad idea. He's in Florida on the amp line. Corby, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, I just wanted to say that, you know, I went to community college and a lot of people knock it, but the computers at the Houston Community College, which my classes cost on average about $150, which that's 15 years ago. That's, so what, it might be. that's what mine were. They might be 250 or 300 now, I don't know, in the book. But my teachers were actually professionals. Most of them taught during the day. So actually I was talking to a, not a professional teacher. I was a computer programmer, so my classes were specific to programming. So, and my teachers, you know, it was kind of nice to have them. They would give me work advice and, you know, real-world situations instead of just book academia because I've met some people with just college degrees, either programming or that type of thing, and, Yes, they have degrees, but ask them to sit down and write a program, and they're just lost. They have to, mm. you know, 
they have like academia and ways of writing reports and you know they can write great theses on it and stuff but it takes them three years to write the actual you know programs that of companies want you know I, now I have 10 years of experience so I get hired I was laid off for four days in Florida which has 10 percent unemployment and you know I get hired almost immediately just because of companies want experience not you know, book smart. Now, Cor- yeah. Corby, um, we've had people call this show who have been in computers and basically said that a computer degree was just darn close to worthless. What is your experience? Would you have been better off just trying to get uh, experience or going through the two years or whatever? If I was a corporate type, which means I kissed a bottle of butt and I wanted to move up with a very corporate type company, like, you know, one of the bigger Fortune 500s. Perhaps to go into management, it might make a difference. But as far as I, I kind of like to work and where I work alone and, you know. We'll come back with I more. If you've got more to share, hang on, Corby. I'm going to bring you back here in hour three. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You can bring up whatever you would like just by dialing the toll-free number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. Dial on in at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features. They are free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their sites. We give ours away. Enjoy it at freetalklive.com. We're talking about college and whether or not it really is a good deal for most people that uh, that get involved in it. I say Probably not. And when you run the numbers and you actually look at how somebody can do in the marketplace if they actually spend the four years they would have spent going to college actually working at a particular career and actually earning money the entire four years rather than spending money or taking out loans for four years, I think that uh, if you even have some just a little bit of financial intelligence and understand saving and and do a little maybe a little investing and when I say investing I don't mean like stocks or anything like that I just mean putting your money in something that'll earn you an interest rate something simple uh buying some gold and silver stuff like that just some basic I'm I'm no financial expert or anything like that and I I don't think you are either Julia but you certainly know enough to spend less than you make right that's that's the kind of financial intelligence I'm talking about here like the most basic level financial intelligence. Uh, if you have that financial intelligence, then I think you'll do just fine if you're just working in the marketplace as opposed to going to college for a, a number of years and then you, you walk out with thousands upon thousands of dollars in debt that in many cases people take decades to pay off. 
We can continue with the, the story that started this over at IndyStar.com, but Corby's still on the line in Florida, and you were telling us, Corby, that uh, you've been working as a, as a programmer, and what you've found is that you've got very, very limited college experience. You got, what, an associate's degree? Was that right? No, I have a total of about 15 hours. I just took a, you know enough classes until I got my first job, and I started making – originally I was going to get a degree, but I started making $45 an hour right before Y2K. And I'm like, holy crap, you know, that's more than like, college people with degrees make. So, mm-hmm. you know, I started working. and So you, after... went to, you went to some college classes, just took specific classes that were of interest to you instead of going to, like, for instance, when you get an associate's, there's a bunch of crappy English classes and a bunch of other nonsense that you have to take in order to get the, those degree, uh, the piece of paper. But you decided the piece of paper wasn't important. It was the knowledge that was important. So you went and took a couple of classes that were re- relevant to what you wanted to do in programming, a few classes, and then you, you got a job and... And you were talking about how uh, when you look at somebody who's got a degree, that you're more valuable because you've got the work experience, whereas somebody with a degree is just, you know, kind of an educated person, but they don't really know how to actually get their hands dirty. And one more thing today, nowadays we have the Internet. You know, when I went to school, we did not have a million free webcast videos of any subject you want to learn. Many times it's free or it may cost a little bit of money, but you can learn at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You can watch videos on any subject. And I learned more from job interviews than I ever did. Just, you know, people ask me a question at the interview. I go home and Google it, or now, you know, just I would research it. And you learn the answer to what real-world employees want, even before I was, you know, you know, had skills. And, you know, you go into the interview and just ask questions, and, you know, I learned more from that than actually, you know, I'm not saying I didn't learn anything in the few classes I took. It looked better on the resume than, you know, I was flipping burgers for the last three years or something. But at least, uh, you know, uh, you can take some – but the school actually wanted me to take a full English class. I kept, you know, I, I would drop the classes because I would totally hate my professors because they – yeah, they wouldn't read the paper. They'd start marking it for punctuation errors. Um, people have editors nowadays to do that. You know, it's kind of redundant some of the stuff they do. And I just said, look, I want to do this for my work, and I paid them the money, and they would let me take it. And once you learn this stuff, you know, employers want skills. They don't want you know people that have write research papers, kind of thing, right. in my opinion. But yeah. and one last thing is, I had a teacher tell me once in high school. I think I actually took my GED in high school, and the teacher told me that nobody actually calls the school ever to see. They do not have, they have to have 100 staffers to shield 50 years of high school people to see if they actually graduated high school or not. And when he told me that, I took my GD, which I could have passed when I was 10, 10 years old, and the questions were so basic. If you can't pass the GD, you should be in basic you know, learning school or something. But yeah. the, the, people, the, the schools do not have the resources to staff, you know, 2,000 students for 50 years. To, you know, that'd, be, that'd be so many. Every time they change jobs, that would be 1,000. Some some very formal jobs may check, but 99.9% of companies, if you say you went to so-and-so you know, high school and graduated, they just say, yep, okay, yep. you know, they just take you for your word for it. They just think if you wrote it down, you know, I've never had anybody ask me to see it yet, so. Good point, you know, Corby. Once they, especially when they see college, you know, you went to college for so-and-so classes or, you know, other, you know, things, so. Great call tonight. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, no, well, the Obama thing just made me totally crack up. But my boss was telling me when that was voted on was February 1st because they, they have turned in those votes. So, oh, the peace prize. <laughs> it's very political, but, you know, he came in there. I love the Saturday Night Live skit of the, has he, you know, done this and that. And CNN fact-checked it, which is so ridiculous to me that adding 40,000 more troops to me is not winning a war that, 
if the opium has to be the only reason they're over there, it must be really good opium they all need in Washington because I can't think of another reason to be in Afghanistan. Well, the military-industrial complex is uh, is profiting, as it always does, so that's the other reason. Thanks, Corby, for the call. I appreciate it, as always, at 800-259-9231. Your college experiences, people that you know, what have, the, what have they been through? Has it been worthwhile? Uh, tell your story. You know, um, just hearing him uh, say that about the um, Obama that it was voted on on February first, I feel like that makes the, uh, the the peace prize a little more legitimate because of what he's done since they voted on it is well, kill people, um, lots of them, and at the yeah, very, they could withdraw it. They could just say, "Whoa, whoa, we were wrong. We're not going to." That's true. This. They could have. They could have, and and they're not gonna. So let's continue with your phone calls about whatever you want. John is in California. John, you are on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Hey, Ian and Mark. Mega dittos, and Obama bless you all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Ian, I've heard you say before that you were a fan of the Phil Hendry show when it was on the air, and I was as well. And I wanted to know who your favorite character was on the Phil Hendry show. Oh, man. Uh, Phil Hendry, let's, let's fill in, though, for our listeners who don't know who Phil Hendry is. Can you, can you explain? Sure. Phil Henry ran a radio show, and he kind of mocked traditional radio. He would call up and pose as a guest and make uh, outrageous claims that were designed to get uh, very angry callers to call up. And the whole point of the show was his guests would just bode these callers into <laughs> yeah. um, making themselves look pretty foolish. And it, it was very entertaining, I thought. Yeah. I loved a lot of his uh, his characters. I think uh, Rudy Canoza was the very misogynistic guy that with this uh, kind of a... Yeah. He uh, he had this uh, kind of uh, Latin accent, and he'd always get on and say things that were just very very rude, and uh, and people would just get so upset. But then again, that pretty much describes most of his guests. They just would say rude, uncouth things, <laughs> and 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 of course, it's actually Phil who was actually doing voices. The man was in a, a phone um, with the microphone, like he'd just switch yeah. back and forth with the phone next to his head and the microphone. He'd, he'd push the uh, all cough live, button. real time. Yeah. yeah, he would essentially have himself on the show. And uh, he would change his voice when he was on the phone, and people would believe it. I didn't know it was him for a while. I was listening to his show for at least a couple weeks, and I did not, I could not understand why the host of the show, Phil Hendry, would allow these uh, outrageous <laughs> callers to go on for 45 minutes with him and take take calls from people. But and sometimes he would even do sometimes he would even do voices in studio. So he would just change his voice on the microphone, and he'd uh, he'd have a you know kind of a semi-retarded assistant named Bud Dickman. Uh, and you know Phil. Phil Hendry is not doing the same kind of show these days. He, for whatever reason, I mean, I guess he got bored of doing all the voices because he'd been doing it for 15 years or something like that. And I could understand how doing the same, basically the same, same shtick every single night for 15 years could probably grind on you. Uh, and I think that in his newer show that he's doing now for the talk radio network, it's an overnight show. And it, in, it's pretty bad. It, I've heard it a couple times. It's lighthearted political commentary, but it, it doesn't... He's not very good at it. Right. He'll bring the characters in sometimes these days, but it's not it's not focused on the characters anymore. But man, when he was doing characters every night, uh, one an hour, one new character and one character an hour, it was just in, it was just incredible. So I recommend people go and, and poke around, find some some best ofs, and they'll enjoy that. So there you go. Oh, well, thanks so much, Ian. He's definitely an influence on me. I thank you for the call. Uh, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But how did he influence you? I mean, it's not like we do show. We don't do a show like that. You couldn't do it. No, I mean, no, no. I, I don't. I couldn't. I would never try to hold a candle to uh, to that guy's kind of show. I think he was an influence in that 
uh, he showed that you could do different talk radio. That yeah. uh, you could have a talk show that wasn't of the typical cookie cutter conservative variety. And he's he's not one of those. He's kind of like a conservative Democrat. He's weird. And now that he's got more of a political show, you can get into his politics. But who cares about that? I want to hear voices. Anyway, more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up, we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list for free. That's updates. Dot freetalklive.com. Today, businesses, banks, healthcare providers, landlords, utilities, and educational institutions are plagued by a burgeoning rate of consumers who failed to pay their bills. You may believe this debt only affects those industries and businesses. However, when people don't pay their bills, all consumers pay the penalties, which are manifest through increased prices everywhere. So if you have or know of any businesses that require assistance with collections, tell them to call SACL CAI and get a no-obligation, no-cost proposal. SACL CAI repositions companies to zero in on principal operations and regain their financial foundation. You can see their banner right at the top of freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. Continuing with your phone calls about what you want. It's Gene in Tennessee on the amp lines. Hey, Gene. Oh, hi, guys. Hey, uh, what's on your mind I wanted, to talk, I wanted to talk about the way those in the cult of government waste money that belongs to the rest of us. Okay. And uh, I have a good example. My brother-in-law just recently took a position in Alaska as a health care worker, and they are working in a little community out on the Aleutian chain of 700 people. And... The way the government wastes money up there is absurd. They've got this great big little, uh, it's a clinic thing, and they have all, they have more employees there than they actually see patients during the day. They might see wow. 10 patients a day or something like that, and I think Jeez. they've got 15, 15 employees or whatever. And, of course, they're fairly well-paid employees being way up there in the, uh, you know, in the Aleutian chain where most people don't particularly want to live. But it is a nice area, and it's, uh, you know, very nice and pristine. But the thing that gets me is if, like, a, uh, one of the Native Americans are the, primarily the ones that get a lot of the health care up there. If one of the Native Americans wants to go into Anchorage for something, say, uh, you know, they haven't visited a relative for a while, They'll go to the clinic and claim they have some kind of an illness or disease so that they need to be transported to Anchorage. And if you have to take a, if you have to get a specific kind of a test, for instance, that they can't do there at the clinic, they will pay their airfare Mm. from that little community into Anchorage, give them a hotel room, and pay, of course, pay for all the tests. Wow. And the airfare airfare alone to Anchorage from there is a thousand dollars. So figure that times X number of people per 
months that go through this little shenanigan, and I really don't know what the numbers are, but it's obviously way too many. So they and just feign sickness. They, they feign sickness in order to get a free ticket to go see their relatives. Right. They're just working the system. And that's, sure. that's really the biggest problem with all forms of welfare is that the, the deadbeats learn how to, how to milk it. Yes. And, and the people that actually need assistance have a tough time because they don't know the system. They don't know uh, necessarily how to work it. Right. They have to make the system more arduous so that the deadbeats don't want to work it. I mean, they, they attempt to do that, and that makes it harder on the people that actually do mm-hmm. need it, and it makes it for the people that have to pay for it. They don't they're frustrated and they're you know they they hate it they 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 hate the idea that somebody's going in there and getting something for free when they know they have to work their butt off for it and i won't even say that the people that are milking the system are necessarily evil i'll say that all this is is human nature at work yes yes You're i agree presented with a freebie and you can get that freebie without uh lifting a finger or doing any form of work that's human nature to accept it. I mean, this is not, uh, I don't think we're looking at evil people. What we're looking at is just human nature at work. That's what yep. would, That's probably what 99% of us would do if we were in that situation. I have so. to agree. I think you're right about that. I mean, they're in, they're in that situation, and uh, they, they are being presented with something that will make their lives a little bit easier. It's zero cost to them, so who can blame them for that? And I, I lived in Alaska years ago. It was almost 20 years ago, but I, we did notice that uh, there was a lot of that in Alaska. Primarily, you know, it, it is primarily the Indian community that will get a lot of the benefits because uh, we took all their land, of course, and then drilled their oil. But I mean, well, it's not we, Gene. See, that's the that's the sort of the the white man's a, guilt a aspect of it. Thought. Yes, now, there's a collective thought again. And, I just and, gotta uh, cl- some... catch it. <laughs> But but I, I do recognize that we are a part of groups and uh, not necessarily as individuals. We can't claim any responsibility, but uh, certainly we can point to a group of individuals and say they did that, such as the Vikings or whoever. I mean, it, it is a possibility. The U.S. federal government did that. Right. Well, no, it's the cult members. I like to refer them refer to them as the cult members, the members that believe that there is a federal government, because there really isn't, of course. But those who believe in it uh, believe in it as a religion, and therefore, in my book, they are cult members. So it's it's what the cult members of the federal government did, uh, the cult believers in the federal government. Thanks for that, Gene. Anything else on your mind tonight? It was just a waste, and, and there's. Uh, a lot more examples I could give you, but they're all basically the same. It's just people taking advantage of uh, free stuff, and uh, that's just sure. human nature. The system is there, and that's what people will do. You're right, and of course, they uh, when they when the politicians run for re-election, they promise more freebies in order to get the people that are already benefiting from the freebies to uh, to vote for them and vote themselves even more freebies from the uh, from those people who are being productive. And as long as the productive people continue putting up with being taxed, then the people will continue getting uh, more and more freebies from the from the state oh. until finally the productive well, people decide to say, "Screw this, we're not paying anymore." And on that on that vein, I did go to a a little meeting they had down here of a local taxpayer, you know, Tea Party group. Mm-hmm. And I did discuss with one of them that, uh, you know, I'm hoping that the anger that the American people have will result in, come April 15th, a huge tax protest of millions and millions of people. I hope you're saying, right. Well, first of all,
of all, a lot of the people are simply not going to have the money to send in. There's probably going to be quite a few people that owe probably smaller amounts, like 500 to to $1,000. Do most people owe? Plain... Wait, point of information. Do most people, when they do taxes, actually end up owing? Aren't most people getting refunds because they've overpaid through the, with, the uh, withholding system? Well, most people do get refunds, but I'm sure that uh, there's probably going to be a lot of people come April 15th that are going to owe 500 to to $1,000, and simply they don't have the money. So I'm hoping that there's going to be a huge backlash come April 15th, and people are just in gigantic numbers, not filing number one and not paying number two, because uh, it's the only thing that's going to collapse the uh, IRS. And I, I kind of expected it last April 15th, but I guess it was a little bit too early. I hope but your prediction is accurate, Gene, but I can't say I'm going to get my hopes up. I appreciate hearing from you tonight, as always, at 800-259-9231, because people are scared. What's it going to take to get them to not be frightened? That's the question. You know, from uh, David Walker uh, was on uh, C-SPAN today, and uh, he was a previous comptroller of the U.S. He said that taxes are going to go up because of something called math. Because of something called math. Yeah, the fact is the federal government's spending a lot of money that it doesn't have. I Texas see. have to go up. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. How long are you going to keep ponying up? It's Free Talk Live. The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. And that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. They include live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, dial-up version, even a webcam, as well as brand-new listen lines. You can tune in to Free Talk Live Anywhere from any phone line, as long as you can dial long distance, you'll be able to listen uh, for as long as you want to. Uh, So head over to listen.freetalklive.com to get the details on all of that. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? Well, if you knew that thousands of liberty-oriented people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? You can. Just join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Dot org. Now, the Free State Project is, uh, again, a, 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 it's a wonderful movement that is designed to bring thousands of like-minded, liberty-oriented people all together to the same place. And it's been working. Hundreds of people have so far made the move here to New Hampshire. But that's not to say that it all has gone smoothly. There have been some conflicts. And one of the ones that has bubbled up most recently, I mean, anytime you put people together, they're going to disagree on some things, some more vehemently than others. But one of the things that has bubbled up within the past week here in New Hampshire has been the controversy over the 420 cannabis celebrations. 
Now, we've been telling you about it on this program because they originated here in our very own Keene, New Hampshire. And it's something I would like to see happen all around the country. I don't know if we will see it spread anywhere else, but it has at this point spread across New Hampshire. Uh, People in Manchester are now doing the daily 420 cannabis celebrations. As of today, it also has spread to Derry, which is a smaller, uh, I guess, a town nearby Manchester. So now there's one in Manchester, one in Derry, and one in Keene on on a daily basis at 420 in the afternoon. People are going to a local public park. Uh, in in Keene's case, it's right in the center of downtown Keene. There's this roundabout that goes around it, so people are able to drive by and and wave and honk, and and some people get angry. But uh, the idea is to smoke cannabis, to consume cannabis publicly every single day until the the, the end of the war on drugs. And it's been going wonderfully so. far. I don't far. know how those two are related, but yeah, I guess that's the idea. It's it's been going wonderfully so far. There have been uh, in the first week, it went from two people to fourteen people to twenty-seven people to a hundred people. It's been probably plateaued out at around a hundred. So it probably go goes from fifty to a hundred people on a daily basis, just depending on who decides to come out uh, for whatever reason. And it's mostly locals. It's mostly people that are not would not consider themselves liberty activists. And at this point, both of you have uh, have come out for for these events and you've experienced them. Oh, and let's whoa 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 experience them. I have been there. You've experienced the event and then you've right. been let's, there. Let's not experience is uh, you know the kind of term that I'm not prepared to. Uh, <laughs> not to like use. Jimmy Hendrix. Right, I've been mean, experienced. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a peaceful event. The cops have left them alone, and the cops made a couple of initial arrests. And then once the they found out that they by arresting the people that were smoking out at the Central Square, that the activists and the the folks that were there uh, for the cannabis celebrations would then follow the police to the police department. And at one point, they actually went into the police department and smoked out inside the police department waiting area. It was after that happened that the police decided to change their policy and have not even shown. Up, They haven't even visited the premises since that time, and I think it's because they didn't want that to happen again. They didn't want other people coming back to the police department and getting high in the, the police department waiting area. So uh, so essentially, it's it's turned into a real win for the uh, the cannabis activists here who it's have an, essentially created two demilitarized zones where cannabis is by, you know, default, de facto legal uh, at 420 in the afternoon at these public parks in Manchester, Keene, and now Derry, yeah, New Hampshire. Know, I, I won't dispute that. I mean, that's that's clearly what's happened. I, I don't know where it's going to go after that, and, and you don't seem to know either. And I guess that probably is is the part about it that bothers me the most is it's like hey oh, let's go do some civil disobedience and who will see what happens you know it's <laughs> it, it's tough it's a tough position for me to to get entirely on board with i'm i'm for people being free to smoke marijuana please don't don't take it as i'm i'm saying that because i'm not i'm just like i don't know <laughs> Well, I, th- I think the point is to just exercise freedom. The point is to act like free people and to get away with it. And, of course, there's also been a lot of news coverage that has come out about it. Lots of local newspaper articles, uh, paper articles across the state. A couple, AP, a couple of AP mentions, uh, well, at least one story or two stories, I think, in the Boston Herald. So it hasn't broken really nationwide as far as news coverage is concerned. But some of the uh, the drug war or the anti-drug war organizations, the drug freedom organizations like DRCNet, the Drug Reform Coordination Network, they've picked up the story. So it has gotten some nationwide coverage via blogs and, and other internet uh, venues. But it's, you know, the word's getting out and people around town are enjoying it. Some people are upset about it. But the last place I expected to find somebody upset about it was from within the, in, uh, from within the movement, from within the liberty movement. 
And the guy who's upset is somebody we've had on this show a number of times. His name's Matt Simon, and we're not going to have him on live during the radio version of this program. But, Mark, before the show aired, uh, before we went on the air tonight, you recorded an interview. You've been doing the Mark interview series, and you've just been interviewing people you've always wanted to talk yeah, to. Yeah, I just, you know. Because normally you have to get me to agree with Free Talk Live is not an interview show, as we've said so many, so many times, and we rarely do interviews. And probably a, a good portion of the interviews that we do are you know things that I've sort of pushed on you, and then others are things that you want to do that I'm I'm like okay, and and so just I just want to do my own interviews. So that's what you've been doing, and we've been tagging them on to the end of the podcast. So once this live show is done, I'll do my podcast thing, and I'll add this this interview in. It'll appear at the very end of the podcast for tonight's show. And so if you want to hear Mark's interview with Matt Simon, uh, you can do that. But Matt Simon is the guy who's behind New Hampshire Coalition for Common Sense. It's an organization that he formed, that he's been heading up for the last several years. Mm-hmm. And it's an inside-the-system uh, lobbying group that essentially works toward reforming the marijuana laws here in, this, in the state of New Hampshire. And I've always enjoyed what Matt has done. I thought, I've always, always thought he's done a good job and you know that he's been working uh, at moving forward with getting things like medical marijuana. Marijuana bills passed, and they're, they really were close this year. There's a chance that the medical marijuana thing still could go through the end of this month. He and seems to think a reasonably good chance. I mean, they've, they've, got, they've got a plan um, going on right now. So, so even though I've had him on this show so many times in the past, every time we're at a local event when we're doing the, the, the Free, Free State Project Porcupine Festival or we're at the Liberty Forum – we usually have Matt Simon sit in for a segment, and we talk to him about what's going on with New Hampshire Coalition for Common Sense. Because I think the guy's doing good work. I've I've uh, passed out. He's got these matchbooks that have a you know a, a legalization message in them, and I've distributed hundreds of those matchbooks for his organization. So I was a little surprised when he singled me out as the target of his vitriol, and I do mean vitriol. He posted a nasty message over on the uh, New Hampshire Free Forum at nhfree.com, basically saying. If you are going to one of these cannabis celebrations that are happening in Keene and Manchester and now Derry, New Hampshire, if you're attending one of these cannabis celebrations between now and the end of the month, and now was a a few days ago when he posted this, then you're an a-hole, is basically what he said. And that's... I could get into a little bit more detail, but but essentially that's... He basically went out and called the people... He called people names who have been his supporters... He basically said, I don't care about you, and I don't want to be associated with you. Please delete me from your Facebook friends if you're going to be going to these cannabis celebrations because of the poor medical patients. The med- it's not about Matt Simon or cannabis or the, uh, or the medical bill. It's, a- it's about the patients. It's about them. They're very upset. These medical patients who can't get their hands on any marijuana, they're elderly. They don't know how to get marijuana. That's what I'm doing this for is, what, uh, is essentially what Matt Simon was saying. I'm doing it for the patients. And if you go to one of these protests or you go to one, one of these celebrations, uh, then I think you're, you're an a-hole. Well, one thing that I thought was really interesting about that was he posted this on a public message forum and someone who was a cancer patient um, and three time cancer patient. Yeah, I'm sorry. Three time cancer patient posted and he said that he did go to the one in Manchester and, you know, I guess I'm an a-hole. Um, I think that uh, what what seems clear to me, and uh, the, the interview that I uh, that I got from uh, you know uh, that I did with Matt today is 
Matt's really close up into this, uh, you know, what's going on here, and he's very emotional about it. And I think it's the same way as you are with this um, activism that's going on. These, these yeah, but I'm not calling Matt an a-hole. Right. All right, more coming up here, 800-259-9231. We'll talk about the discrepancy here in moments and maybe uh, read a few of his words about how he feels about this. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Perhaps enough time for your call if you make it now to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there free. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live... We need your vote. Mark, where are we at in the voting thing? Have you uh, taken a look at that yet today? Um, today I did, and we were uh, 90 votes down. 90 votes so down. We are not in the first place position, is what you're saying. Yeah, we were We were moving in the right direction. However, uh, you know, we were not in the, in the right place. If you haven't voted yet in the month of October, please take a moment and go to vote.freetalklive.com. You only need your email address. That's uh, what's used to verify that you're just a real person, not a robot, uh, trying to fake votes or something like that. So just go to vote.freetalklive.com. Your votes help us achieve and hopefully retain the number one position throughout an entire month, thereby bringing new people to the ideas of freedom, bringing them over to this program. Uh, Please go to vote.freetalklive.com. And if you've already done so, maybe ask a few friends. Uh, Send out a few instant messages or an email to some friends that uh, you can count on to help you out with something like that and have them listen to Free Talk Live if they get a chance. Vote.freetalklive.com. Now then, don't you just hate making extra trips to carry in the grocery bags from the car? Well, for the last few months at my house, we've been using the Tota Sack. It's a handle made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States and just designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks. Go to totasack.com, that's T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com, and order yourself a family pack today. Also, coming up, you'll have the opportunity to win a two-pack so you can get a chance to experience what the Totasack's been like. People that have been winning these things have said some uh, some very positive things about their experiences so far, so it's don't just take our word for it. Uh, there are other folks out there that have really been enjoying this uh, brilliant little product. Totasack carries more than you can, a lot more. Totasack.com. All right, so we're talking about some controversy that's been bubbling up here uh, between the uh, some of the activists in the uh, New Hampshire Free State Project movement, the Liberty Activists here. One in particular who we've had on this show a number of times has decided to attack me. Uh, I'm not sure what the deal is. I, I don't think he's very well informed as to exactly what my role has been in these cannabis celebrations that have been going on every day here in Keene, New Hampshire, and in Manchester. They have been uh, people have been smoking cannabis in public. And they've been getting away with it. The police have been looking the other direction after making an initial arrest and realizing that was not a good idea because it just attracted some unwanted uh, attention, as in people smoking up in the police station lobby. Uh, so the police have been leaving it alone, and it's been relatively successful. Lots of uh, great press that has been put out there about it, and it's been getting attention. And that's been what's upsetting Matt Simon at the Coalition for New, or New Hampshire Coalition for Common Sense. He basically has said to the activists like myself who support the cannabis celebrations is, well, you either stop or I don't want to be your friend anymore. You, you stop or you're an a-hole. 
and and he's also said that uh, you know it's it's about the children apparently that you know we've got to be concerned uh, for our appearances uh, smoking pot in public most people don't want that and what about the children they might see it parents might have to explain that to their kids and well people can smoke cigarettes in in public do parents have to explain that to their their kids as well? I as think well? that, I think that uh, being as close as the uh, the central square is to a school, and I'm not, is 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 a detraction from the um, from from the activists. Schools are everywhere, though. They Churches are. And they schools are. And, Absolutely. And kids. Yep. They're everywhere. But really, the issue is the fact that this this, this Matt Simon character, who you'll hear if you listen to the pod uh, the podcast tonight. I've always been friendly to the guy. I've, I've I've been helpful towards him. I've helped his organization out, and now he's basically burning a bridge. He's basically taken a torch to the bridge that uh, that we had, and to many bridges, and said that if you go to these cannabis celebrations, you're an a hole. Well, and I'm not calling names, and I never detracted uh, what what he's been doing with his medical marijuana thing, which I've. I really haven't helped very much with it because it hasn't been very exciting to me. I think it's one of the weakest uh, medical marijuana bills out there. But nonetheless, I've never wished him um, not success. I've always hoped that he's successful with his with his political efforts at passing things like this. And I've certainly never called him names because he hasn't come out and smoked out at the cannabis celebrations. And that's just it. One of the things that uh, that that some of us who've been more of supporters of civil disobedience and outside the system activism have observed is that if we don't do exactly what the politicos want us to do, then the politicos throw an s fit about it. They just have a big stick up their butt about wh- uh, whether or not we get involved in what they want us to do. It's kind of the nature of politics, you know. Politics is, um, uh, you know, you need you need to get a, a an amount of people on board. It's you can do civil disobedience yourself. You he's can't. not even saying that. He's not even saying come on board and help me. He's just saying don't do what I don't want you to do. Well, that's that's how he's saying to uh, to have you help is by not by he, not doing. That. He's he's of the opinion that that going to these uh, events is bad, and he knows he can't stop the events themselves. However, he he believes that he has a certain amount of capital, uh, you know, a friendship capital with some people, and he's hoping that that capital will, uh, you know, correspond to people not going to these events. I can understand why he's doing it, and I'm, you know, I... The, the, no, uh, I don't understand why you would alienate your right, supporters. That's, he's, he's, he's too emotionally involved, um, is, is what I see. He's off his rocker, is what he's... Well, he's, he's alienating people, my he's question pushing is them to away. You, uh, right. My question to you is... Are you going to perpetuate it? Like he's alienating people. Are perpetuate you going to allow? What? Are you going to allow yourself to be alienated? What is that supposed to well, mean? Well, you're you're in charge, right? You get to decide whether or not. Yeah, you get to decide whether or not you are alienated. Are you going to be alienated? Well, he want, he's calling me an a hole, and he says yeah. he doesn't want to be uh, friends. So right. he's the one doing the alienating. I'm but, not doing anything. I'm just going out to the cannabis celebrations and enjoying myself uh, yeah, with some other people. You're a victim. The um uh, the twenty ninth of October. This is all going to be over, and then some of the tension is going to start to unwind. Because whether they're going to have a vote on the 28th as to whether or not to override and force through the medical marijuana bill. And that's what he said. He said, stop going to these cannabis celebrations at least till the 28th, then you can go to them after that, and he wouldn't care. Now, what I don't really like about this is that if this bill doesn't pass, he's going to automatically blame it on people who went yes. to the cannabis celebrations. However, there is a very high chance, I think, that it wouldn't pass anyway, and he yes. will not take that into account is my, uh, I guess. Well, you know what this is based on is there's one politician, apparently, 
Yeah. One politician, they've got, basically, he's figured out that these, these amount of uh, senators are going to vote for it, and these amount are going to vote against it, and there's one guy that's in the middle somewhere who's basically come to him and said, look, I might vote for this if you'll just get your, your friends out there in the, uh, you know, making all this news and this noise to, to pipe down. I don't know how that's going to be done. And so, essentially, he's pandering to some scumbag politician. He is willing to ostracize people that have helped him out in his cause, with his political causes in the past. I've gone and I've testified at the state house. I've called the uh, the representatives. I've distributed things on, on behalf of his organization. And I have been helpful to, toward growing his organization. And he's willing to ostracize me and call me an a-hole because I won't bow down to appease this master in the Senate. Because I won't bow Who down. He probably fr- wasn't going to vote for it anyway. Exactly. He's just. This is just some power mongering sicko who's playing with this with uh, with Matt Simon. And there's no. You're right, Julia. There's no guarantee this guy's going to vote for it. He basically said, "Yeah, I'll consider voting for it if you just get your uh, fellow slaves to pipe down." So essentially, the message is: pipe down, fellow slaves, and maybe Massa will, uh, you know, will allow the sick slaves to have some access to the medicine that they need. And you know what? He calls me out because I was listening to your interview while you while you were interviewing him. I wasn't allowed to talk for it. I appreciate that too. And uh, and he calls me out and said that the reason he doesn't listen to Free Talk Live anymore is because Ian talks about slavery and makes comparisons between uh, chattel slavery and today. And no, that's nonsense. I've never said that the slavery of today is the same as what it was like in the 1800s. Obviously, it's not. But it's still slavery, and I'm not going to back down from that I, position. I agree with you. However, what we've noticed a few times is that... Uh, that, that people that sort of don't agree with our messages kind of run across the show. Um, I, I'm thinking specifically of uh, that really big message board that had all the girls on it that called that one mm-hmm. night, and I don't remember what it was called or anything like that. But I remember specifically somebody posting essentially, these guys don't know what oppression is. They're white guys who live in the United States. Like So that a certain amount of people are alienated by the slave talk and... Uh, you know, it's a critique, right? And so I, I'm only going to try to listen to that critique and try to figure out how that's useful for me and the message that I'm trying to uh, to get out there. Anyway, I just think all this is is just sad because it's it's sad to watch somebody who's worked so hard at building relationships just take a torch to uh, the bridges that have been built and to say, screw you, I don't want your help, this politician and what this politician thinks is more important. And he pawns it off on the medical patients saying, well, all the medical patients are coming to me saying that they, uh, you know, that they, that they're, they're upset about this. Uh, well, look, if you guys are really, are you serious? The medical patients can come down to the, the town square and score some weed right there. If they're having a tough time getting marijuana, come to Manchester and Keene at 420. It's right there. They're getting their weed anyway. Um, what this is about is, you know, trying to work together in coordination. I'll tell you what this is about. It's about a tote sack giveaway. We're going to do it to you right now. Uh, the second caller at 603-435-1105. You're going to be taking home a two-pack of the tote sack. Actually, it'll be delivered to your home. 603-435-1105. Second caller gets it. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? 
You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar. And get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T.com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free handgun. The following edition of the Mark Interview Series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com, and here's Mark. All right, so the the uh, Mark Edge Interview Series continues, and today I have Matt Simon from New Hampshire Common Sense. Matt, are you there? I am here, Mark. Now, Matt, the reason that I brought you on is there's been quite the quite the hullabaloo going on here in New Hampshire regarding sort of, uh, I guess, just around marijuana in, in general. Um, let me set the stage for people. There is a bill that you've been working on for, I guess, uh, years now, um, a medical marijuana bill. You've also been behind um, it, marijuana decriminalization bills. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. Um, so you've been behind several bills, and there's this this one that's gotten some legs. I can't say that it's it it looks it does it's not, it doesn't look incredibly great. I don't think, um, but it it looks better than anything else has up to this point. Um, it's a medical marijuana bill, and that would make New Hampshire the 14th state in the union to uh, to to have medical marijuana. And it's it's kind of teetering on the parapet of uh, failing or, or passing. And at the same time, what's occurred is that there have been um, these uh, 420 celebrations, is what they're getting called, which is uh, pot smoking going on in public parks in a couple of locations in New Hampshire, specifically Keene and I think Veterans Park in uh, Manchester is a smaller group, but Keene's kind of been the bigger group. And... People are kind of, uh, you know, lining up on the sides. Your activists are lining up on the sides as to which, um, you know, what they prefer, what they think is better. And I wanted to, and I obviously Free Talk Live and Ian have specifically been uh, basically on one side. And, and I feel that there needs to be an opportunity to talk to sort of people that, that feel otherwise. And um, so can you address it, Matt? Absolutely, and thanks so much for having me on, Mark. I think this is a, a great way for, for me to be able to clear the air and explain my perspective on things. And, you know, if I could, I'd like to kind of start at the beginning. Yeah, we formed in January of 2007. We wanted to undermine public support for marijuana prohibition. We wanted to go about it in a strategic way. I, don't, I didn't want to work on the issue for 20 or 30 years. I wanted to work on it for three years or five years or seven years or, you know, some period like that. And I wanted to have tangible results at the end of my investment of time and labor. I wanted to have something to show for it. New Hampshire, to begin with, has some of the worst marijuana laws in the country. 
they're not enforced the way they are in some other states, but on paper they're really pretty bad. You know, uh, possession of even, you know, a, a little bit of marijuana dust can get you, you know, by the laws up to a year in jail and up to a, you know, $2,000 fine. So it's Jeez. really, you know, we have one set of laws that's enforced and another set of laws that, anyway, it's just a great big mess. And they were written back at a time when there was almost nobody in jail, you know, 200,000 people were incarcerated in, in the year 1970, and now we have 2.3 million people. I think people are finally ready, and I'm talking about the general public. I'm talking about the people who are – we have to have a – for this to happen, we would have to get majority support. In fact, more than majority support because it's such a controversial issue. Yeah. The first step is building – if you want to change laws through the legislature or through a ballot initiative, you have to build majorities because only majorities can, can change the law. And this year, you know, judging the lay of the land, we did get a decrim bill through the House in 2008, and the governor said we were sending the wrong message to children and, and all these wonderful things, and the Senate didn't want to listen to us. But we freaked them out, and, you know, we pulled what, you know, a lot of people said was the biggest upset of the year uh, in the legislature, which was passing that bill through the House. It wasn't a, a great bill. It, it was amended uh, down to, you know, make it less uh, powerful, but as a symbolic victory, it, was, it showed the progress in, in convincing legislators. And it's a matter of time, in my view, until we actually pass a good bill. Um, this year, we believed that if we played our cards right, if we formed a strategy that involved not talking about decriminalization, not talking about legalization, talking solely about how do we pass this medical marijuana law and focus attention on that, focus media attention on that, focus attention away from recreational use and to have the spotlight be on the seriously ill patients in New Hampshire who would benefit from this law, that that would serve a primary goal of passing a bill that, granted, is a very limited bill, but once you meet several dozen of these people, you know, some of them aren't even willing to break the law because, well, they're, they're statists, according, according to, you know, one perspective, but to me, they're human beings, and I want to help them just the same. If my mom got cancer, she's a statist, and I would want her to be able to talk to her doctor about whether marijuana was effective medicine for her. So we rebranded the organization. I announced this on the email list. We came up with a new website. It's red and blue. It has hearts on it. We put the patient's faces there. And I focused all of my effort on trying to organize patients, trying to get this to be thought about in a totally different way. That's my philosophy of trying to go about things. And we thought it was going to be a five-month thing. We thought that May, June, that's when the legislature's done. For that five or six months, can I keep my mouth shut about decrim and legalization and, and, and marijuana being safer than alcohol as a recreational drug and the evils of prohibition? The things I always have talked about in the past, I stopped talking about this year because I really cared about this short-term goal. And when it got rewritten, uh, it passed the House and Senate as a bill that would allow people to grow their own. And it was, you know, a pretty pretty decent bill at that point. And it got amended uh, because the governor said he was going to object. They rewrote it to his to appease his objections. And I was not in favor of doing that. Um, I was very upset by it. I wanted, you know, I sulked around for a week. I thought about taking my marbles and and going home, but I also reached out and talked to all the patients about it and said, look, here's what they're doing to the bill. How do you feel about this? And they said, well, 
you know, some of them liked it better. Some of them liked it a lot worse. They were unanimous on the fact that it was a whole lot better than nothing and that we should keep fighting. And that is why in May and June I proceeded, okay, well, I can make it through this. And the House and Senate passed it again. Then Governor Lynch vetoed it anyway the first week in July. And then now, you and I... You and I were together that uh, that that particular day that you found out about the uh, the uh, the veto, isn't that so? That's right. I you know it's the first time I tried to leave the state all year. I went out to Vegas for Freedom Fest and we shared a room the one night. And uh, you know the first morning I woke up, uh, it was that that was the day Governor Lynch decided to veto my bill. It was really just super sad for just thinking about. I mean, trying breaking breaking the news to the patients. And, and all that sort of thing. And it was one of the saddest weekends of my life. And, um, you know, <clears throat> oh, well, we get we need two more votes, essentially, because it passed by two-thirds in the House, 68%. To overturn a veto, you need a two-thirds majority in each House. Right. And the House had passed by 68%, so if we could keep our votes there, hopefully gain some. We have no problem in the House. We need to change two votes in the Senate. It was 14 to 10. And all of our effort has been focused on getting those two votes in the Senate since July. And normally an override vote scheduled in September. They're always in September. And this year they decided to make it October 28th. So that is the story for, of how for 10 months I, who used to be an anti-prohibition activist, became a medical marijuana only person. It was a strategy choice that I made, and it was it was incredibly difficult. For example, when violence breaks out on the Mexico border, that's the time to talk about prohibition stuff. Yeah. And I'm glad there were other people to talk about prohibition stuff, but I was working on this one thing. And when Michael Phelps got busted, that was a great time to talk about recreational use being different from alcohol use. But I let other people talk about that because I wanted to focus media attention on medical marijuana. We got the union leader and uh, three other major newspapers endorsed the bill. Governor Which is Lynch huge. came out looking like a jerk. You know, everybody was pissed at the at the authoritarian governor. I, there are a lot of good things that came out of this, but I want to see these patients get their law, and that's why I am still, you know, very adamant about trying to get this vote. So October twenty eighth. Now, um, has the has the vote gone through the House at this point, or has it not? Basically, it's just lying dormant until it's voted on at all. You just believe you have the the House, or I'm 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 a little unclear. Well, in the last vote, which was on exactly this bill, exactly this language, you know, the vote that put it on the governor's desk, the House, more than two thirds of the House voted for it. Okay. So we would need. You never know who's going to show up. So you know, when you say a lot of. When you say exactly this language, do you mean that this is the grow your own bill or this is the no, no. okay state distribution bill? This is the bill that, uh, well, it's, it's not state distribution. It would allow for three uh, nonprofits to form, to cultivate the marijuana and to dispense it. Okay. It empowers uh, the, the Division of Health and Human Services to choose between applications of people who want to be that nonprofit. Okay. So they're they're going to do background checks and they're going to look at your whole plan for how you're going to control it and how you're going to make sure that it it goes to the people who it's supposed to go to. Um, and those nonprofits would be regulated by the state. Um, but you know, I, I think it's great that those. I love that model actually. I think it's a, a good model to have the nonprofits. But I definitely think patients should should be allowed to grow their own and and have a caregiver or friend you know 
designated to grow for them. I think that is just basic liberty allowing people to take care of themselves. Well, it would seem to me, and uh, you know, it would seem to be a difficult position for a prosecutor to, to take if the marijuana medical marijuana bill were to pass to go after a medical marijuana patient who chose to grow their own, who was say licensed by the state in order to get you know to, to get their stuff from one of these places, but said, you know what, I don't want to. I live I live in Coas County, and the closest one is down in Concord or something like that. I just don't feel like making the six hour round trip drive or whatever their reason might be. I, it would seem a, a, an unenviable position for the the prosecutor. I think it would always be an unenviable position for a prosecutor to prosecute a medical marijuana patient. I mean, it's obviously I, I, I completely support some of the patients that I lobby for now are already breaking the law, and I think it's absolutely the thing that they should be doing because if I was ill, I certainly wouldn't let some law stop me. You know, I wouldn't let the law stop me anyway, obviously. So, you know, I, I think it's the problem is that it's not just about that. These, you know, some of the patients were having to drive to Massachusetts or drive long distances to buy marijuana anyway. They had trouble maintaining secure connections. Clayton, for example, I mean, Clayton Holton, some people remember him as the, the guy that confronted Mitt Romney, and it was on CNN and yeah. a whole big thing. I mean, he called me today in tears. He saw the email and saw that people were celebrating recreational use on the side of the road, and he was he was just so upset by it. Yeah, I had a uh, another guy uh, who was a medical marijuana patient who uh, contacted me, and you know, basically the same vein. He's uh, concerned that uh, the 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 activism, as far as from the 420 celebrations, is going to translate into you know some some politician not feeling uh, you know being being brave enough to stand up for the rights of medical marijuana patients. Right, and of course, I'm not going to defend the decision making processes of squeamish politicians, but I do care about the result. And, you know, it's it's that caring about the result that is basically the only thing I've thought about all year since January 1st and, you know, for three weeks. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> what I'm getting at is oh, and when I mentioned Clayton, what I wanted to say is that he's been ripped off several times. He's, he's got uh, muscular dystrophy. He weighs about 90 pounds. He's in a wheelchair, and he has to keep trying – to get different pe- people to come over to bring him marijuana, and he's been ripped off many times over it. It's sad to me. I think there ought to be a store that he can walk in. And, you know, it, I don't think it's anti-liberty to argue that there should be a store somewhere. Um, and that's, that's, I don't think, too, too hard of a position for most people to get. But let's, you know, let's move on to some of the other meat of things. Um, Right. I wanted to talk about some of the perhaps misconceptions that might be about running about on this bill. I need to. I, I obviously had one misconception there, and I want to make sure that I understand the the bill. Right. Well, essentially, I mean, the great benefit of the bill is that anybody who walks into the doctor's office and has a question about whether marijuana would be good for them or not for their condition, they can feel absolutely free to talk to their doctor. And their doctor can feel absolutely free to recommend it to them or not. It'll be the impetus for doctors beginning to actually look at marijuana and see what it can do. Most of them never studied it. It's an illegal drug. They grew up learning it was a substance of abuse only. And, you know, it has all these other other uses that we're trying to spotlight. And, you know, but if your doctor says yes, it would help you, and yes, for this you have an illness that would qualify, then 
you would write your recommendation, uh, you would submit that to the state, and the state would give you a card, which gives you protection from arrest. Now, how different is this from other marijuana laws in other states? Obviously, California has one that is clearly, uh, with the dispensaries and all that stuff, is clearly causing some kind of, uh, you know, unrest. I'm wondering how different or similar this law is to, say, the other state, other 12 states that have uh, medical marijuana. It's not similar at all to California. I mean, the California policy is probably an ideal policy from a libertarian perspective, uh, but... I don't think the general public was ready for that in 1996 when it passed by ballot initiative. Most people don't realize there's there's no regulation at all at the state level, and each county in California kind of makes its own rules. And you have, you know, a, a really also California is the only state where there are no restrictions on on who it can be recommended for. And you know, from from a policy perspective, I, I think it's just fine. But from a convincing your neighbors that this, that they should have this perspective. Um, you know, people look at California and they say that's the last thing in the world they want New Hampshire to turn into, at least the legislature. Now, I know that's not what free talk like people want to hear. I play this game that to me is a dirty game a lot of the time, and I come home and I take a hot shower every day <laughs> when I get home because it's not my idea fun to go to the legislature and talk to these politicians who are thinking about everything sometimes except what's best for their constituents and certainly not thinking about liberty. Most of the time, gotcha. you know, but at the same time, my experience working through this process in New Hampshire tells me that most of these people have never even heard a coherent pro-liberty argument in favor of half the things you want to talk to them about. I mean, they think they're for liberty. You know, they're, everybody is, aren't they? Gee, you know, and it's only when you really engage them in conversation. I think I came here to, to the state, you know, uh, think, you know, with with a lot of bad attitudes that I had developed, you know, living in West Virginia, living in Mississippi, living in Kentucky, where government is just so corrupt and the good old boy networks are so entrenched that you have, why bother going to the legislature? Why bother doing anything, you know, because people care more what church you go to than anything else when it comes to who to vote for. And, you know, just all this, well, it's really a depressing thing. And when I came to New Hampshire, you know, I saw that there were really two different attitudes about how to approach it. And, you know, when I first visited the state in December of 2004, I met about 20 people uh, who were activists here. And uh, most of them said the most important thing is, is fitting into your community, getting to know your neighbors, building credibility with other people, being accepted, becoming a New Hampshire person, leave the Free State Project at the border, come in. Give New Hampshire a fresh start. Give your life a fresh start and figure out what makes sense as you, as you go along and try to live a happy life and, and, and be a good neighbor and all that stuff. And in the early days, that was kind of the dominant, this is what we should do sort of thing. And I think the people who followed that path have, have done amazing things, uh, opted the state out of Real ID. It's now New Hampshire law that the state won't participate in the Real ID program. The Free State Project has four representatives in the House, and could be a lot more in the next fall election. They're sure good. Uh, to- they're sure good. Yeah, I, I was just I mean, saying that they're just, sure good. If things swing back to the, swing back to the, to the Republicans, uh, there will probably be a lot of libertarian candidates running as Republicans who, who will be swept into office. And, and the possibilities just, you know, increase and multiply and all that sort of thing. But even now, with four people in the House and virtually nobody good in the Senate, 
we're able to, to use the system and learn to use it and learn to use it to our advantage the way authoritarians have been using the system to their advantage forever. You know, what if we learn to be as effective as the bad guys who brought us all these policies? And that's 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 really my approach. Now, um, you were just talking about the Republicans coming into office in 2010, which I believe is going to happen. Uh, it seems likely to me. And I do think that the, you know, and for one, normally I'm like Republicans, Democrats, six, one, half a dozen, the other. It doesn't really matter to me. However, here in New Hampshire, it seems like by and large the Republicans are, are more pro-liberty than they are throughout the, uh, the United States. And the free state activists have managed to really get involved and uh you know get people into mostly the Republican party that are that that believe in liberty um i think that there are 22 or 23 a plus rated uh you know liberty rated uh candidates in the the house right now and i i think that about 3 dozen could really make a big difference but you think that this republican uh sweep in could be bad for the medical marijuana bill well it could be but i you know i to me, marijuana policy is one issue among a great many. I thought that with the Democrats in charge that we had a window to really push on the, on those issues for a few years, and, and that's what I've tried to do. I agree. Um, I think that's the best you know, strategy. I'm not a partisan guy at all. I see you know, pro-liberty aspects to, to, to some of the Democrats and pro-liberty aspects to some of the Republicans, but for the most part, they believe the government should, should run people's lives and you know, in, different, in different sorts of ways, and you know, I also believe that most of them can be reasoned with because every person I've met in the liberty movement was – I haven't met anybody who was born an anarchist. You know, I mean, there are a few people that probably were, but we we were all brainwashed into believing government could take care of us better than we can take care of ourselves in sure. some way at some point. And, you know, as somebody – I used to teach rhetoric. I mean, I don't know if people know my background. I was a college instructor for seven years. I taught composition and rhetoric. And the fundamental basic first week lesson on 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 composition and rhetoric is understanding your audience, understanding that before you craft any sort of communication, you got to think of how people are going to react to it. And that's there are so many things that you can say that just put people's blinders up and they won't they can't engage you. But if you if you get into their head a little bit and understand how they think, then you can craft an effective approach that, that actually does stimulate dialogue and that's you know kind of always been my issue with with ian that there are certain things that he says that i i think are the kind of things that will get really bad reactions out of reasonable people and i'm talking particularly about his references to uh the slavery experience in america when he compares the plight of a young white person in new hampshire to the plight of an african slave prior to 1863 and says things like, yes, NASA. That's why I quit listening to Free Talk Live, and that's the kind of rhetoric that I think isn't useful to our movement because of the way people will react to it, and frankly, because it's nonsense to make that kind of comparison. Well, um, I, I have a tendency, for one, just don't know terminology to use. Sometimes I'll say surf or, or uh, you know, th- things like that. But it, it does seem like, to some extent, we are held by the government. And generally, when I use rhetoric like that, I do try to back it up with things like, um, you know, saying if you have to pay half of your income into uh, the government, then are you half a slave? And what is half a slave? Is it not all a slave? Um, you know, things like that. I, I, I think that's a thoughtful way of, of raising of raising the question. But you know, it's 
I don't think that's that's how Ian typically goes about it. Okay. And I don't, you know, I mean, slavery is, is, is certainly a complicated topic. The slavery experience in the United States wasn't necessarily like the slavery experience throughout. And it's a whole big topic that I it's don't a huge really want topic. to go into. But right. Sure. But, you know, my question is, when we decide that we want to craft communication, do we care about changing the laws or do we not? And if we don't, then fine. Um it's, it's occurred to me that I'm not really in the same movement with people like that, because what I want to do is improve the laws over time. And, you know, I've just been thinking about this, Mark. I mean, to me, you know, there are basically two types of anarchists, and there are two paths to anarchy, perhaps. And one is the anarchists I know who are working, you know, within the system. And I believe that they are the kind of people who believe anarchy is an ideal state that we should get to someday through lots of persuasion over decades of time where private institutions come along and, and are able to, to wean people off government. That transition that Ron Paul talked about, I don't think it's a one-year or two-year transition. I think it's over a long period of time where, you know, where people learn that liberties are actually in their best interests. And the only way to get there is through minarchy, is through limiting government, first of all, getting it tied down, you know, by some kind of constitutional system and getting people to care about what their relationship with government is rather than just accepting their programming. To me, it's a long-term effort to get to that consensual type anarchy endgame. And I'm not an anarchist. I'm a, I'm a minarchist, and that makes me a statist, according to everybody on the forums that I'm well, disassociating myself. With. I I know I know the feeling when it comes to uh, being called a statist for uh, saying that you know perhaps we want to uh, you know get get the pair of the government down to some manageable size and then if we can see you know from there whether we can take steps in the free market from from that point in those um, areas that the government has a monopoly I'm I'm for looking at that but you know that that makes me a, a fascist um, and, and I I feel you the other, but. The other- so the other path to anarchy is the let's ignore the laws and hope they go away path. And what that leads to is just a bunch of people who not only don't respect illegitimate laws, but don't respect, you know, standards for, for basic behavior, social norms, and, and, and that kind of thing. We do have a public square. Public property hasn't been abolished. And as long as the public sphere exists, I think people should be you know, respectful of others within that sphere. If we have, if we get the anarchy that, that is produced by this ignore the government, live however you want from one moment to the next and scream slavery if anybody tries to stop you and, and you know, call people tyrants, I don't see that as the path to happiness for anybody. Now, isn't it I don't possible? Think that, that gets us to a more enlightened place. And again, this comes from being a college instructor and trying to have these public policy debates in classrooms where I have people vastly different ideologies. To me, more important than your ideology, are you able to have a conversation that is respectful of other people, even when they disagree with you? And it's just been a weird irony of the Free State Project that I find status legislators willing to listen to arguments that they don't agree with at all and willing to come up with objections and at least engage you in dialogue and some free staters, frankly, don't want to have that kind of dialogue with anybody. They want to shut down, call you a statist, and do this holier-than-thou thing. But I'm just tired of being around. If you think I'm immoral, I, I don't really need you as a friend, and, you know, I can live with that. Well, um, you know, n- knowing what it's like to be completely immersed in that, and I, I you know, uh, I don't think there's too many people that have to, that, that are sort of the, the minarchist uh, brand that have 
experienced something like I do, which is essentially being you know immersed in the outside the system anarchist movement and kind of not exactly subscribing. But my question to you is this. Isn't it possible to use them as uh, sort of, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to set myself up as, an, you know, give, give people from the political establishment the opportunity to come to me to talk to me about ideas about the Free State Project, ideas of liberty, so that they don't have to talk to uh, people that they, you know, <laughs> don't feel they can communicate with, like the, uh, you know, the, the folks that are, you know, doing outside the system activism. Mm-hmm. Is it possible You're talking that you... about a good cop, bad cop kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it, know, not well, far from that. I mean, the only the only thing is, um, I mean, yeah, of course, I mean that's the strategy that I kind of have to use now that this is all over the media that people are smoking pot on the, on the side of the street and or not smoking pot on the side of the street or whatever they're doing. I, I haven't been to, to any of these things, you know. Um, but <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just. Uh, you know, I left town again was the problem. I went to visit my family for the first time this year in West Virginia, and the second day I was there, that was when the patients started getting in touch with me and saying, what is going on here? Can you Do you have any hope of, of, of putting a stop to this? And then I'm like, I'm out of town. <laughs> and I heard that they'd reached out to some people. You know, they reached out to some of the more respected mainstream through the system liberty people and, uh, you know, tried to get some – negotiation, can you please stop for a few weeks? And I heard first that, that people were going to stop for a few weeks until after the vote. And then when I came back, I addressed the Merrimack Valley Porcupines meeting on Saturday, and I pleaded with people. I wasn't a jerk then. I became a jerk afterwards when my pleading with people, it seemed like half the room or maybe two-thirds of the room heard it pretty well and took it pretty well. And there were a few people who just grumbled, and, uh, you know, one one person walked out. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I've drawn this line between what constitutes, in my opinion, effective marijuana policy. The thing is, I can't continue to be friends socially with people who are in a completely different revolution Why is than that? I am. I, well, because I am trying to, ha- to have a better conversation with society. I'm trying to elevate the debate. I'm trying to make sure that, that different perspectives are heard and understood and that liberty doesn't get the awful name. I mean, that libertarians are associated with selfishness. They're known for people who just whine and complain about everything and act, you know, like they're slaves. And and I, I'm not a slave. I mean, I don't think if the point is to live free in your mind, I, you know, I feel like I do that most of the time when I'm not working on some crazy project. You know, <laughs> people should live their lives in a, in a free way, but we should also... I don't know. I mean, I think people who want social unrest, and that's their idea of liberty, are fighting for something way different than I am, because I want to convince the whole population in time to consent to a uh, very small government. Well, I, and I think the best way to do that is to be respectful. I, I, I largely agree with, with what you're saying, and, and I guess um, what my attitude on it has been uh, at this point is essentially there's nothing I can do to convince these outside the system activist types of what it is that I am saying. They're, they're just not going to go for it. So and and I don't have the option that uh, of, of, you know, walling myself off and saying I'm not going to talk to them. Um, so <laughs> I guess uh, what I've by and large said is I, I guess I, I, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. They're going to do what they're going to do and we'll see what what happens and what works. 
Um, and it, to me, it seems inevitable that New Hampshire is going to see more liberty in my lifetime. And that's what I moved here for. I didn't move here to, you know, knock the state over in the inside of a decade and see what, uh, you know, what grew out of that. I moved here in order to you know, turn the ship of state towards us, towards liberty, towards lower taxes and those kind of things. And and to, you know, show people that we could have uh, success in that area. So I'm I'm with you on that. But um, I'm just wondering if if um, on the 28th or 29th of uh, this month when they they managed to vote on these things um, are and you man and, and and the medical marijuana bill goes through. It's passed. It becomes law. Mm-hmm. Will you be able to bury the hatchet with the outside the system activists? Maybe. I mean, I'm. I'll, I'll deal with that on a on a case by case basis, on an individual by individual basis. Um, that's basically. I, I think on October 29th, the day after this vote, I'll want to step completely back and and become a little bit less obsessed with this. But I've been obsessed with this project all year. And to have people who are ostensibly my friends, but friends who believe I'm immoral in many cases for even going there and asking these people because that admits they have power or something. You know, this the legislature is where the general public looks when a, to see an issue be debated. And there are going to be bills next year that are going to interest people. But I'm not going to talk about those bills until after, after October 28th, and we can debate all that stuff some other time. Uh, October 29th, maybe I'll, you know, I don't know what my attitude will be, but I know that between now and then, I really feel strongly about passing this bill, and I really have a lot of negative energy still for anybody who's trying to get media focusing on people who want to smoke pot on, on, on the side of the road. Matt Simon, New Hampshire Common Sense. Um, I, thank you, Matt, for being on with me. I've got to get on and do the show now. All right, Mark. Have a great show, and thanks so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Matt. Attention, all active-duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.